All right, welcome everybody. This is episode number 57 of Sports Cards Live, October 24th, 2020. Before we get into tonight, I want to thank last Saturday's guest, Irving Minera of Mustache Breaks, and Dustin Cooley, also known as the personal finance dad, joined me on After Hours. Two great, great episodes. Check them out. They're in the archives. I also want to thank Last Wednesday's guest was Jeff Wilson of Sports Card Investor. We talked about the industry summit among state of the hobby, a bunch of other things. Uh, that video had well over 10,000 views, uh, smashed any other record I had had for an episode before. So thanks to Jeff for bringing uh, tons of viewers to the ep- to the show and to the channel. That was really cool. This coming Wednesday, my guest will be Joel Alpert. He's a player agent, among other things, long storied history in the hobby, entertaining fellow, you won't want to miss that. And then next Saturday is going to be a Halloween-themed Pokemon episode with uh, my friend Karn Rye, one of my go-to uh, Pokemon guys. I want to welcome all new viewers. I want to thank tonight's guests for publicizing their appearance on the show tonight and bringing more viewers to the channel. Thanks to them and thanks to all new viewers. Thanks to all the loyal viewers, just over 1,300 subscribers now. So again, I, I thank you all. Your, your viewership, your loyalty uh, means a ton to me. So thank you so much. I want to let you know as well, uh, we're going to be talking about the virtual expo tonight that is coming up November 21, 22. If you want to hear uh, the take that myself and Amit, my buddy Amit Acharya had on the first virtual expo, that's episode number 21 in the archives. You can go back and watch that. We we debriefed the whole thing. So you'll want to see that. It's It'll be some good due diligence for you in terms of what to expect this time on top of what we're going to talk about tonight. I also want to mention, uh, the uh, there's a YouTube channel called Hobby Hotline. It's a live call-in show. I want to give them a shout out. I was recently named as one of the co-hosts for that show. So that's pretty cool. I'll be on once a month or so. Other hosts include... Dr. James Beckett, Brian Gray, uh, John Newman, Brody the Kid, among others, Rich Klein. There's a lot of them. So that's pretty cool. Check that out. Uh, there was an update. They, they air Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern. And that was this morning. I, I was a call in this morning. So that was pretty cool. Check those out. As always, guys, your comments and your questions are in play. Really important for tonight. If you want to know uh, what's going to be going on at the Virtual Expo coming up. And tonight, after this show is over and these guys are, are far far asleep in bed, Amit will be joining me again on After Hours. We're going to talk about this episode a little bit. We're going to talk about our excitement for the Virtual Expo. And I'm going to open up... Uh Whoa, I don't know what happened there, but all of a sudden everything closed on me. So apologies for that. Are we back? I think we are back. Are we back, guys? Thumbs up. We're back. All right. So that was weird. That's never happened before. All of a sudden my browser shut down and I had to come back in. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, here we go. We are back. So I I have one package. I'm going to open this uh, later on on After Hours. It's got a pretty cool card in there. That should be fun. Check that out. Let's bring out tonight's guests. We have with us tonight, we have we have Steve Menzi, who is the owner of the Sport Card Expo out of Toronto. He's been doing that since around 2016. 
Eve, welcome to the episode. We also have in the Thank back, Mitch Adelstein. Mitch is the owner of the Chicago Spectacular, formerly the Sun-Times show. Mitch, welcome to you as well. How are you guys doing tonight? Steve, go first. Uh, doing well. I had a, a fun uh, fun week. Uh, I was part of the Beckett Summit, which we'll talk about later, but that was uh, that was pretty fun, pretty cool. Uh, for me, I'm a, I'm a sponge still in the industry. I'm, I'm learning a bunch, and uh, that was particularly good. Uh, yeah, other than that, looking forward to a nice fall day tomorrow. All right. And Mitch, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jeremy. I'm glad to be here. I thought maybe you were cutting my appearance short there with the blackout. <laughs> I, didn't, I thought maybe it was my first and only appearance. I had done something wrong, but uh, no, I'm excited <laughs> to be here and uh, to enjoy time with you guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but trust me, as soon as my <laughs> my monitor went blank, I freaked out. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Right, live. That can't be happening. All right, guys, let's jump in. Um, you know, obviously, we've had a virtual expo already, and uh, we're having another one coming up November 21, 22, less than a month away. Steve, tell us a little bit about why is this one going to be better, and how is it going to be better than the first one? Not to take anything away from the first one at all. Well, I'll talk about it from a promoter standpoint, and obviously I, I've been talking to other dealers along the way and attendees to try and get feedback. I mean, overall, I had pretty strong feedback to the first one uh, across all across the board. Um, what's going to be better? Uh, primarily, I'd say there's a couple key things. Um, one, we've had a lot more, when I say we, I mean myself and, and my team have had a lot more time uh, and experience on the platform. So that's been a, a big, big deal. Uh, I've actually upgraded the version of the same uh, event platform that I used to uh, uh, an enhanced version. So there's a lot more functionality. It's going to look better, run better. Uh, I've got much better metrics. Uh, some of you may have seen some of the, the stats that I was able to quote. So after uh, the first show, I got a bunch of uh, information back. Uh, the great thing about virtual is you can track every click. And I was able to uh, identify how many people I had spending how many minutes in which booth uh, over the course of the of the show so really compelling numbers for the most part um, and i'm happy to talk to those as well but so there's there's that uh, the, the reason why we're, we're here with mitch is part of what i wanted to do was to when i saw that i had a 50 50 us canadian audience pretty much uh, and then you know there's probably a few points a few percentage of people that were from overseas um, I, I thought, all right, well, what can I do to bring in more of all of their sports and to be able to draw in some of the heat that's coming from uh, from the uh, uh, football, basketball, in particular baseball, um, into it. So uh, by pairing up with uh, with Mitch Chicago, um, it, it brings me a, a ton of that. It's a show that's been around forever uh, and has is very steeped in in the other sports more so than than obviously than the, uh, the Toronto Expo is. So there's there's those things, and we just frankly had a, 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 some good learnings about uh, getting all the dealers onboarded, uh, getting um, what's important, what works well for content. I was one of the learnings for me was, uh, you know, I expected that guests, 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 and more guests were really the, the key to content. Not the case. The, you know, the last one proved that uh, a lot of the content that you get and collectors want to hear is uh, is industry stuff. It's it's. Uh, Beckett talking about uh, grading. It's uh, um, it's talking about authentication. It's talking about uh, you know, it's Jeff Wilson talking about investing in sports cards. All super hot and, and uh, really salient topics. So um, those are the three things. It's the, the functionality, uh, the content, and uh, and just you know, broadening the uh, the playing field. Okay, awesome. So Mitch, turn to you very quickly, um, and, and we're going to get into a bit more about of your background, Mitch, because you're new to the show uh, tonight. But 
But what have been uh, some of the challenges, let's say, in terms of adopting this virtual uh, platform for you, for your show, your vendors, your attendees? It's uh, the biggest challenge has just been that most dealers are old school. You know, they're afraid of the technology. They're afraid of the Internet, uh, you know, and social media in general and to the degree. A lot of the dealers are older and have been doing this for quite some time. And unless they have young kids that are involved, which some do and some don't, uh, it's been a challenge. They've all been interested. Obviously, a lot of them are sitting around with nothing to do and, you know, haven't been making a lot of money at any type of uh, unless they have online like an eBay or something. But that's been the number one challenge is really just getting them to accept the premise. They all go, yeah, I hear you. I just know if I'm ready to make that jump yet. So just trying to give them the, the perks and the understanding of what that entails and, you know, make a good experience for them. Great. And I hope a bunch of them are watching tonight because this is a great opportunity for them to sort of, and so if they are watching, if some of you guys are watching out there that are Mitch's uh, dealers from the Chicago Spectacular, you know, I encourage you to, to of course, sit through this video, watch the, the debrief episode number 21 of Sports Cards Live that I alluded to earlier. And, um, and even later on tonight, if you're going to stay up late, we're going to be talking about it some more with a uh, fellow uh, virtual vendor, Amit Acharya, with his booth called 99 Goals. We'll be talking about that, too. So, guys, before we move on uh, to, with, our, uh, with our agenda, we're going to say hello to the guests, uh, the viewers we have. So, Cardboard Max, best show in the biz. Thank you so much. Ernie, good evening to you. J-Rod, welcome to the show. Anonymous Facebook user. Welcome to you. If anyone is watching on Facebook and you haven't before, on the ticker right now, go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook, click the big blue button, and I will be able to see your name and address you directly, which is how we like it here. Paul, welcome to the show. Rondell, hi, Jeremy Resicru. Hello to you. Joe, always good to see you. Hockey Hockey, welcome to the show. Colin Murray, good to see you. Al G, always a pleasure. Matt, 14, evening. Looking forward to another great show. Great to have you. Uh-oh, that must be when I... Yeah, where did I go? I don't know what happened, guys. I, I clicked something by accident, so I'm back. All right, Legion, good to see you. J-Rod, thank you very much. Ken, welcome to the show. Joe, good to see you still. JR, it's a, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, JR, but welcome. Matt Fox, good evening, J-Dog, and the rest of the gang. That's my buddy, Matt, from Calgary. Good to see you, buddy. Good. I'm, I told you to type something in there. I'm glad you're tuning in. Amish Dave Archer. Great to see you. Mitch and Steve, can't wait for the second virtual in November. Awesome. I can't wait for it either. Rich, Rich, I owe you a PM back. It is coming. Looking forward to the second virtual as well. Anonymous YouTube user by that name. I love it. Hello to you. Here's an a question for Steve based on feedback from the first virtual. Is there some sort of seller boot camp for lack of a better term for it? Steve, why don't you take that? Uh, yeah. Um, there's a, there are a few things specifically that we've done for that. So we're now at the point where, as we were last time, running a, a twice a week demos. Um, so a couple of things we're doing over and above. So and those are, are we'll publish those ongoing, but they're obviously open to anybody and everybody. Um, we've learned more. We've got more functionality that we can take you through. Uh, and we're also, um, you know, shame on us for taking so long to do it. But we we started now recording the. Uh, the dealer onboarding sessions, uh, the demos, so that you, if you can't watch at the times that they're on, um, then you can just, I'll, I'll send the YouTube links out again and you can watch them at your convenience. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're dealing with now as well is that most of Mitch's dealers are of course in Chicago, uh, the central time zone. So we're you know, just trying to manage the best time of day for, for all. Um, so the onboarding sessions are being recorded, uh, they're being shared um, and we're, we're enhancing the whole best practices piece. So it's stuff that we can share. Uh, we've got more FAQ. 
Um, and frankly, we've got a, a much bigger dealer base that's been experienced. So I made a note too, Jeremy, thank you for that on, on sharing the episode, uh, the debrief we were going to meet. Um, I had a few user videos that got posted up that I found. Uh, so I've been trying to share those out. Um, so those are those have been great. Um, and, and yeah, best practice. So the team that's been running this has done a bunch of events all summer long. So not just my events, uh, including, as I mentioned earlier, the Beckett Summit this week. So um, much, much better at getting people on board. And I'm, you know, I'm going to reach out where possible to dealers that uh, uh, that have done it for their feedback, good, good, bad, and, and indifferent. You know, uh, Mitch talks about a lot of the guys, you know, being older in the industry, not tech savvy, but we've had quite a number of those guys do the first one that were were super happy with it. They got great support throughout, and they're back for the next. So, well, let me just jump in there, Steve, yeah. and say, you know, I did the first one. I was I I was uh, an attendee this past week at the Beckett Industry Summit. And they use the same platform called Hopin. And I can tell you, um, you know, kind of navigating your way around this thing. I found it to be, you know, once you're in there for a couple minutes, you can really understand it. But Steve, can you tell me uh, what is the YouTube channel where you're posting those videos? So I'll put it up on, on the screen for everybody to see. Uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> I'm gonna okay, well, when, when you do, jump in and let me know. And I'll, yeah. I, will, I will add that to... Uh, to, to the banner so we can um we can okay. turn that everybody. Break, I'll run it, run it. yeah i didn't mean to take you by surprise there facebook user oh. good evening to you we have the u.s health advisor coral Springs satellite office in the house uh, that might be because uh, of you mitch welcome oh, to the show footy cards welcome ao rhino great to see you jeff mcmahon hello everyone looking forward to another great show happy to have you as always chris west good to see you it's been a while orby good to have you as well all right so Mitch, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of your, your hobby history? You're obviously the owner promoter of the Chicago Spectacular. You should be the Sun Times show. Tell right. us a little bit about the history of that show itself. The show itself, uh, we've been involved in it since about 1990. It was originally called for many years the Chicago Sun Times collectible show because that's one of the two major newspapers in Chicago that sponsored it. Uh, we started out, uh, Mount, I'm the founder of Mounted Memories back from 1989, so we kind of progressively just rolled into the show, and we used to bring a lot of the talent to the show. So early in 1990, Thurman Thomas, who won the MVP and things like that, we would bring a lot of those players in, and ultimately we got more and more involved to a point where we started basically having an exclusive on the autograph pavilion and bringing in 60, 70, 80 guests, and ultimately to a point where we purchased the show from the original promoter. Uh, which was probably around 2000. And then in one way or another, through all the different companies that I've been involved in, I always was the person who ran the show, was the primary person who did all the athletes and whatnot, but ultimately, um, you know, continued to work the show. And now I'm the sole owner of the, what's now called the Chicago Sports Spectacular. Awesome. And what about you yourself in the hobby, Mitch? Um, you know, we chatted the other day, you, you, you know, you've been, you've been in the hobby for, for a real long time. And you told me, you mentioned one thing to me that I, I asked you to mention tonight. So I'm going to ask you to right. just talk about that. Cause it's something that, you know, a lot of us are, you know, maybe newer in the hobby than you. And that's just a, a function of, of the year we were born. But, um, Tell, tell that story quickly. I found that really, I, I just thought it was interesting. About the rookie, about the rookie cards. About the rookie yeah, cards. yeah. It's, I've just been in the industry because I'm, I'm getting really old. That's my problem. But I've been yeah. in the industry, uh, literally ran a show in Florida when I, in 1979 when I was 14 years old. It was my first show promoting business. But uh, what I have shared with you was that in 1981, uh, I can remember when Tops came out with their first traded sets. And the, the big deal was that they were going to be individual rookie cards of Fernando Valenzuela and Tim Raines that had been on triple cards in the regular top set. 
And prior to 81, not that people didn't know what a rookie was. Obviously, you could buy a 1970 Thurman Munson card that said rookies on it. But it was referred to as a player's first card. So people would come in my store and say, oh, do you have Mickey Mantle's first card or Willie Mays' first card or Hank Aaron's first card? It was never referred to as the rookie card. And then in 81, when these traded sets came out and these individual cards came out, the terminology rookie card just blew up. And that's when I said, OK, you know, the rookie card craze has become. Um, and from there on, it was in 82, the Ripken rookie card and 83, the Boggs and the Gwynn and just so on and so on. It just blew up from there. Yeah, I love that that story because, you know, we all the term rookie card is is at the core of the hobby now. Sure, so sure. to hear a story from someone who was, you know, setting you know, promoting card shows in the 70s, uh, <laughs> who remembers when that terminology first came into play. I think that's just really uh, interesting and cool as far as the uh, as far as the hobby goes. So thanks for that. Got it, sure. Steve. Um, we have a question here from uh, Billy. This is a great question. He says, is there any way as the show promoters to motivate some dealers to participate more instead of linking directly to their eBay auctions? I think a live auction for some higher end cards would be a hit. So I think a lot of that is also has to do with Steve. And you're nodding your head because mm -hmm. I think at the, the first one, there were several booths where if you went into them, there was a camera just focused on a whiteboard with some let some some words on it, you know, yeah, without yeah. any any human presence. What you know, what what are you guys? What are you doing to kind of um, you know incentivize or or just you know motivate dealers to be more involved uh, with the at the um, at the upcoming virtual? Yeah, and there's two things: one one minor, and one uh, much more uh, relevant. I think uh, the first one is that. Some of the dealers that did come into the virtual came in pretty last minute. So quite honestly, they didn't have the, the time um, or resources to, to, to do it properly. Uh, there were a few of that. And, and some of those I, I did see and I, I kind of made notes and I spoke to the, the, the guys uh, post. But uh, yeah, the idea of, of seeing a, a whiteboard and something didn't really do a lot for them or for the for the attendees. Um, but the other thing, quite honestly, and there's, there's a ton of analogies between you know, the, the in-person show and the virtual show. Um, and really, there's two primary things you got to focus on. Have your product ready and have your, your booth ready. Um, it doesn't matter whether we're in person or, or online. So, um, And again, when, when I mentioned earlier that we now have those stats, when you look at some of the booths that were more engaging, like yours, Amit's, uh, uh, Frameworth is one that I reference a lot as well. Frameworth, uh, they were doing some really great stuff. And they had... Uh, uh, they had some auctions, especially later Saturday afternoon that they were doing from the booth and they were getting you know, between 80, 100 people in there you know, for a couple hours at a time. So and over the two days, uh, Frameworth specifically had uh, more than 800 people in their booth for a total of over 17,000 minutes. That's, that's a lot of FaceTime that you don't yeah. you don't get it at most shows. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I don't know what their sales numbers are, but I, I got to imagine and they're they're happy and they're coming back. So. I gotta imagine that's reflected in their numbers. So it's really about being prepared and and being engaging. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I can say as a successful vendor at the last one, it, it wasn't that difficult to get prepared. So I would encourage all the vendors who are gonna be setting up at the upcoming show, you know, it was really as simple as having, you know, I, I'm, I can only speak to selling singles of, of, you know, that are worth your time to have a picture of. So not, you know, not really set filler common sort of thing, but singles. And what I did is I took, I had a scan of all the cards. I scanned all my cards that were for sale and I named them in the file name. I put the price and then I had them all in stored in Dropbox. Some people used Google Docs, 
Some people just linked to their eBay account, which I know was, you know, um, some people liked it, but I think a lot of people thought that, oh, I could just go on eBay, you know. So I'm I'm a big advocate for having your your image documents stored in an image document storing service, like for me, Dropbox. And then I you could take a link and you could put that link at the top of your booth chat. All of our booths have their own little chat room. It's really convenient. Yeah. And you can pin to the top of it anything you want. Like if you're having a sale or what have you, I had in there pinned a link to my Dropbox folder. So all the people that came to my booth, as I saw people come in, I'd say, hey, click the link at the top of the chat. It'll take you to my Dropbox and you will see all my cards and the prices are in the, the file names. And it was extremely successful. Like, like it was just, people loved it. So I recommend it. And, and it wasn't, it was simple. It, at first I thought I'm going to have a second camera on a showcase and I had that set up. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I just didn't even use it because people could go look at the cards themselves. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be very stressful. But like Steve said, if you're prepared by you having your cards scanned or taking a picture with your phone, nope, either one works, and having them priced, you're going to be able to sell cards. I can personally, you know, as long as your prices are, are fair, I can almost personally guarantee you're going to sell something because I, I did a several, several deals, several dozen deals at that last show. And I thought it was uh, very successful. So Steve, yeah. what do you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I, it's a great point. And uh, so the couple of things that I, I did mention earlier to the question of what, what are we doing to help dealers get on board and, and to be more successful? Uh, we are helping dealers and, and being more proactive with exactly that, with using Google Docs and other ways uh, for you to organize and, and be ready for it. So that's part of what we take you through in the demos. Um, but a couple of learnings that I've had over the over the summer as well. Um, you know, I watched the the show that uh, Jeff Wilson, uh, sports card investor, put on in, over the weekend of the national, and they had some really. It was a very very different show focus, but they did have some um, a dealer profile each night, and some of them did a really effective job of of uh, uh, having their cards there and ready, showing them priced, and and it was a bit more hype focused. And in this market being so hot, it's pretty easy to uh, to fire up the the hype and, and get people. Uh, get people going. So they would show a card and say price, you know, bid now in the chat. And so you can, that's again, part of that being that uh, really engaging. The only other comment I would make is that obviously every booth is different. Uh, and this has been part of my learning. Again, I, as you mentioned at the outset, I, I bought the show in 2016 and I didn't come from the hobby. So I'm not a collector. Uh, so I've, I've had to learn a lot about that. Uh, but every, every dealer sells something different. So well, what you're saying works great for uh, guys that have a relatively small number of high value uh, singles and in most cases graded, it doesn't, it's not the same for somebody that does memorabilia or has commons and, and that kind of stuff uh, or wax even. So, um, but that's been part of what I've been doing is I had a guy who, a US guy who did commons and did very, very well. And he's already in for the second and he set it up you know, perfectly. I had a bunch of guys doing memorabilia, uh, a bunch of guys doing different types of products. Um, and there's another guy who doesn't, who wants to be on the platform, but doesn't want to man the booth all the time. So there's ways in which to do that. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to add in. You know, you say you don't come from the hobby, but I, I do remember getting an email or a text message from you a week and a half or two ago saying, I think I got to start investing in some things here. I think I got to start collecting. So you're, you are, you are catching the bug, Steve. Uh, the bug. You know? So another thing I want to mention is that, so this show, last time it was a Friday, Saturday. This time it's going to be a Saturday, Sunday. And, sat, you know, you know, we talk about like 
after the show's over, or you were actually, Steve, you just mentioned when uh, when Jeff Wilson had his virtual con at the same weekend of the Nat when the Nationals should have been at the beginning of August. Um, he did these dealer features, and these were, I think, in the evening. So yeah. the virtual expo, it's going to end at a normal hour around around dinner time, I believe. But I want everyone to know that Saturday night, myself and Amit are going to be on this show again. So in between the Saturday, Sunday, and we're going to be talking about the show, how it was on Saturday. So just for some more hype, some more excitement around it, I invite everybody to come back, watch that episode with us, because the the main episode of Sports Cards Live that night is going to be focused on this virtual expo. And we're going to be talking about some of the cards we sold, maybe some of the cards we bought, some of the people we saw, how it flowed. All that sort sort of thing. So if you're if you're looking to kind of, you know, I I hate when card shows end. I want them to go on forever. So if you don't want it to end, come November 21st, come back here that night, and we will still be talking about it and and talking about some of the other vendors, all sorts of things. So check that out. Want to say hello, Thomas Newman. Welcome, gangsta, to you as well. Facebook user, everyone looking forward to the chat tonight. Great. Hockey says, anyone watching the ball game? Not me. Ken says, do we know how many dealers will participate this time? So how, what can you guys tell us in terms of um, vendor count or table count, if you will, at this point? And what do you, and any outlooks for that? Um, yeah, I mean, again, part, part of why I started to talk to Mitch in the first place is I have room to grow. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's not like a hall where I, I sell out. I mean, it's digital, um, so it can definitely grow. Um, and, you know, the, I don't think I'm telling tales of school. The first time, you know, there's still a lot of cost to this. I know I, when I first announced the show, um, you know, people were saying, well, why is it, why isn't it free? And uh, uh, this is not a free platform. This is not a free world. And uh, uh, so there are costs there. Um, I had good feedback. I had good feedback. I, I had about 55 dealers in total for the, for the first one. But I, in, you know, Mitch and I have been talking about that. We should be able to get to 100, but we don't want it, or, or more even. Um, but we want to be somewhat selective about that. We, we don't want to be having you know, 90 uh, guys that are doing the same thing. So again, part of what attracted me to, to Mitch and his show is he's got a wide range of uh, dealers, many of whom are, are new to uh, my audience and vice versa. Okay, next question will be for you, Mitch, in two seconds here. Okay. Hockey Hockey says, the greatest thing about buying online, I don't have to be in crowded expos around people. <laughs> I mean, I love being in crowded expos and nationals and spectaculars around people. That's that's where I, I thrive. But uh, I found a way to to enjoy the virtual as well. It's for two Dodgers, if uh, for those interested, Colin Murray has a question for Steve. I have loaded up the first ad on the app in the buy sell. It was so easy. Going to be a hit. We will be talking about the app shortly. Uh, vintage oddball cards says, look forward to the expo should be fun. We have no shows in the Bay area. Well, it's just vintage. It's great to hear that we got somebody from the Bay area that will be there. And, um, you know, if you weren't there last time, trust me, it, it's going to be fun. I, I had a great time. Uh, anonymous YouTube user. I love the name of your account, by the way, the human aspect is part of the appeal of an in-person show. Having the ability to deal face to face with a vendor eBay seller is worth the virtual expo fee. That's an interesting comment because, you know, first of all, in person is, is ideal for me, but virtually on video, it's great. And I can tell you from the last time I met a ton of people and it was, it was, it, it was an intimate sort of setting. you you guys, if you have, if you weren't, at the first virtual, I can t I can tell you, come by my booth and let let's talk about it. You're going to enjoy this show. It is fun. I I, I mean I don't know. 
It's like, I, I feel like I'm a pitch man. I'm not. I have no interest in the show other than I, I set up at it and I enjoy it, guys. But I'm telling you, it, it's it's really enjoyable. Uh, Mitch, I want to know from you, sort of, because you're the you're the new for the virtual this year, or not this year, uh, this this uh, winter. This, this go around. Yeah. What what kind of what are you sort of doing uh, for from you with your mailing list in terms of promoting and marketing this thing that such that vendors are going to you know maybe anticipate some new attendees from new geographical areas uh, this time? Well, we in general, I mean, we do a tremendous amount of social media marketing for our show. I would arguably say maybe the most of you know within the states that I know of any of the shows out there. So we're just driving that home. We're putting out advertisements about the virtual. Of course, we're talking about the live and if and when that comes back next March. We play that by year. It'll be a state by state scenario. But we're basically driving, talking to people that you know this is here to stay. You know the world is changing, and even when the live shows come back. The virtual will be a part of it. And I think Steve and I have had many discussions about, you know, they'll become synonymous with each other. You'll have a live show in March and maybe a virtual April or May and something like that. And different ideas and ways that we can, you know, have symmetry between the virtual and the live. So we've just been promoting that from a consumer base and basically on the on the dealer side saying, Get in, on, get in at the ground level, get in at the foundation. Because like we've talked about, we're, we do want a diverse makeup. We, do, we don't want 50 guys all selling autographed mini helmets. So it is going to be a limited, although it's virtual, so we can build it out. Again, we're not limited to tables. Uh, we still want to have a, you know, a nice mix for the public coming in. So I, we see the virtual and the live shows going hand in hand for years to come. Yeah, uh, so so do I. I think there's definitely a place for it, even once uh, live shows come back. And if they're ever the way they once were, um, I still think there's room for a virtual because, again, not everybody, yeah, not everybody can fly to Chicago or Toronto for a car show. You know, the, whether it's the the expo, the spectacular, the national, anything else. You know, mm-hmm. the the virtual actually provides a gateway for everybody in the hobby who has a computer. Which or a phone, even because. And before I go on, is the is the virtual accessible on an iPhone or an Android phone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely is. Uh, you know, um, one of the great things about the platform is it is cloud based. So that's that's a great thing. It makes it super easy. Um, one of the things that I tell dealers initially when you're going in to get used to the platform, it's better to view it on a PC or a laptop uh, just because of the functionality and everything else. But yeah, hundred percent. And I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, again, with those enhanced statistics that I got from the enterprise version, um, I think it was about 30% of the uh, views were on app for the first show. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it, the format itself, the platform itself, and I want to talk about that and kind of let people kind of understand how, what does this thing look like? Because I'm guessing not everybody watching attended or set up at the first one. So we want to kind of go through the the different sort of um, modules, if you will, or sections of the virtual expo. And it's important to, to know, like the, the platform it's on is called Hopin, H-O-P-I-N, right? So I have to think if anyone's looking for any kind of uh, previews as to what this platform looks like so that you can be a little bit ahead of the game in terms of knowing how to navigate it if you're unable to attend uh, what, uh, sort of an orientation that they're that these guys are putting together or if you're unable to watch some of these videos that we will direct you to on YouTube by the end of the show, um, check it out. Just maybe do a YouTube search for hop uh, for the Hopin 
platform, H-O-P-I-N, and see what it's like. But it's really cool. And I'm fortunate. I, I was a part of the first virtual. And then again, at the Beckett Industry Summit just this week, I got to kind of reacquaint myself with that platform and use all of its features, which I didn't do the first time, but this time I did. And that's kind of what I want to uh, mention to you guys are, are sort of some of the different um, areas of this platform. So, uh, got, you know, do you mind if I just keep talking about this, gentlemen, and kind of let right people... Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so um, and before I do that, we're just going to say a few more hellos. Card Collector, good evening to you. Legion says, I really enjoyed the last expo. Like Jeremy said, you've got some one-on-one -on -one time with the dealers, got to sit in on some podcast-like discussions. Overall, it was a blast, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Hockey Hockey says, if I pay for a flight ticket and hotel, that is just another card I can't buy. I, I hear you. I hear you. And that's why virtual is, is great. Um, Thomas Newman says, especially if everyone's selling with the virtual card expo is certified through you guys so everyone feels comfortable. That's an important thing too, because you don't always get that if you're doing deals on, on a Facebook or an Instagram or right. you know, or other, or even like your Kijiji or your Craigslist, that sort of thing. So that, that's a great point, uh, Tom. I appreciate that. Colin says it is just as fun as in, it is just as fun as in person. That's a huge statement. In the comfort of your own home, no travel, home cooking, zero chance of getting ripped off. Very true. Billy Celio of Upper Deck, welcome to the show, says, I'm looking forward to the virtual again. I'm going to miss watching people opening up UD1, but not going to miss Jeremy and Amit staring at our booth all day. What are you trying to say, Billy? What are you trying to say? I'm too busy to stare at your booth, even though I set up Kitty Corner from it at the, at the expo. Um, okay, so, you know, the, the platform itself, obviously there are... You know, you walk into the, uh, and, and Steve, what's the main area called? Is it called the expo? It's just called reception. reception. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's reception and then there are, are four other key areas. Uh, there's the main stage, which is, as the name implies, where you know the, the big uh, uh, guest Q&As or the case breaks or any of the presentations and so on are on the main stage. And I'm telling you I'm going too long in the description, but I'll, I'll try and keep it brief for each. So, What's cool about the main stage, you can actually broadcast up to, we can have 100, up to 100,000 people viewing. So we haven't pushed that yet, obviously. I uh, would love to. Um, and it's also, it's, it's great because you can simultaneously push that out onto other platforms. Uh, YouTube, uh, Twitch, uh, Breakers TV, anything you want to do can be pushed out onto those channels. So that's pretty cool. They're all recorded for future use. So we had Austin Matthews on the, uh, the podcast with Ultimate uh, Least Fan and, and Squid in the, the first show. So that was great. Uh, we had, you know, that lives on YouTube now as well. And it, uh, uh, what was my point on that? Uh, oh, yeah, we recorded it and you know, pushed it out live. We can you know, edit it afterwards. Uh, so there's the main stage. There are then session rooms. What's key about the session rooms is that um, you can have up to, depending on how many screens you want, you can have up to 20 people on the, uh, like, talking to us right now, or you can be presenting. We used the session rooms primarily last time for the uh, VIP meet and greets. So after, you know, Phil Esposito gave his Q&A, if you had bought a one-on-one -on -one video meet and greet with Phil Esposito, you'd have been given a password to enter into a private session room where you enter into the, the, the Q&A, and then you, you got a copy of that video, et cetera. So there's main stage, session rooms, the expo, is, as the, again, the name implies where all the booths are. 
and the booths are arranged um, alphabetically by category. So the premium the sponsors, the premium booths, and the regular booths listed that way. Yeah. Um, and that's where you literally can visit each one. I'll get to the booths a bit later. I don't want to talk too long. But uh, And then the other feature, which I know you discovered and I've used much more uh, this week at the Becca Summit, was the networking. And really, the best way to describe that is uh, speed dating. Uh, yeah. But you get a variable time limit, typically up to about three minutes to connect randomly with uh, with somebody. And it's pretty cool. You share what to connect on and, and you either talk through it and, and follow up or you don't. So those yeah. are the, the main platforms. And then on the other, the other side of that, literally and figuratively, um, there is a, an event chat. So literally anybody talking, the, appearing at the event is, is, um, can post in the event chat. Um, and think of that as well as a, as a PA system. We as the organizers can promote, um, can pin chats to the top of that throughout. So we can say appearing in 15 minutes on stage or, you know, um, the, uh, the Jordan rookie that, uh, you know, that Jeremy bought on Saturday is now going to be flipped for 20% profit on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can pin that. So there's that chat, there's, there's booth chats, and then there's the ability to, to private chat as well. So if you're, presenting to a few people in your booth and somebody's saying, yeah, you know what, I want that card, but I want to negotiate. You can go into a private chat or even a private video chat as well. And then there's a, a people tab that allows you to, to, to track and find everyone from who's attending and also our staff. So we have staff, you know, eight to 10 staff that are on board the whole time. And uh, you can look up if you have any kind of an issue or question. And I can tell you that at the Beckett Industry Summit, which, you know, again, use the same platform. And Steve, you were part of that event staff. You helped them out by you with that platform. I can tell you that the event staff was everywhere. And why, what I mean by that is in the in the event chat, in, in the booth chat or the uh, some of the 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 uh, exhibitor booths, they had their own chat rooms. You'd see the event staff coming in there and making sure everything was okay. So they were really supportive. But I want to paint a, you know, Steve just took us through some of these different areas and I kind of want to paint the picture. Like, what does this actually look like? So like literally imagine your 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 Chrome window or the your, your web browser. On the left-hand uh, navigation panel, there's like four or five icons. One of them says main stage. You click it, it takes you to the main stage. One of them will say sessions. You click it, it'll open up a new screen and you'll see different squares that'll tell you what's going on in those sessions. If you click on one of those, it'll take you into that room and you can see the people on the screen talking. Like Panini had a panel discussion at the, mm -hmm. at the industry summit this week and you would see four or five people from Panini in there just talking about whatever their agenda had on it. And then down further, you have the networking icon on the left-hand navigation pane. You click on it and it opens up a screen and it says, click when ready. And you click it and it searches for somebody else who's looking to network. And then all of a sudden you're on screen with some stranger, or maybe someone you know, funny enough, I hit it and Steve came on my screen and he was the guy I got paired up with at one point. But I found it really useful for myself because I used that to find more guests for this show. I'd click it, someone would show up on the screen They'd be like, hey, I, I have a store in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. I do a YouTube show called Sports Cards Live. I'm, you know, looking for more guests, that sort of thing. And it was really successful for that. So, you know, but it, as far as a card show goes, I could see people using that to be, hey, what do you have to trade? What do you collect? Maybe I have something for you. So it, while as a vendor, I might not love it because I'd rather you were looking through my inventory. I think it's really cool and it adds kind of like 
at a card show, you you know, you go into the the, the food area and there's all there's a bunch of tables set up and you see collectors sitting together. That's really what that is. It's almost like a almost like a, a roulette trade night, if you will. You just don't know who you're gonna come across. But I really enjoyed it at the industry summit and I think it was underutilized at the last virtual and I think people should utilize it a little bit more this time. And then uh, what else was that? I guess those are really, oh, and then there's the expo itself or what Steve called, or what will be called reception. If you click on reset on the reception icon on the left-hand navigation panel, it's gonna bring you into the show. And you kind of think of that as the map of all the booths. And like Steve said, there'll be an alphabetical order by category and you just scroll through and you'll see all the logos of all the of all the vendors you click on it and it'll take you into that room which is similar to what you're seeing on your screen right now you'll see me up there in the corner and maybe you'll see two other people three other people sitting in the room with me and we're just talking because they asked to come on the screen with me and it really makes it um quite welcoming at the last virtual, there were times I had six or seven people on screen with me and we were just chatting away. And if someone said to, if someone was watching the booth, so you don't have to come on screen, you can click on a booth, the vendor won't know you're there. They'll see that there's eyeballs on their screen because there's a little indicator saying how many people are watching, but we don't know who you are. So you can be anonymous, which is fine. It's kind of like you're walking by a booth at a card show, but you're not really, you know, you're walking by, you're looking in the showcases and you keep on going. I kind of consider it like the, like that. You're browsing. But if you want to do a deal with the vendor, you want to inquire about one of their cards, you can do two things. You can click a button that says um, request to share video and audio. And then as a vendor, I can click accept and you'll show up on screen just like Steve and Mitch are with me right now. Or you can type something in, my, in the chat room for my booth. You can say, hey, how much do you want for this card? Or hey, you know, wh whatever. Can I buy this card from you for $10,000? Sure, you can. No problem. So, and then we can go off into a separate private chat and work out the details of the deal. So, you know, it's, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what this thing looks like for those of you who haven't been in there and haven't watched any of the videos yet. It's really, it's really functional. I think it's a perfect platform for a virtual show. And um, I just hope that a bunch of you guys really uh, check it out and, and enjoy it because it was thoroughly enjoyable and the platform is really good. It's really this platform, Steve, because you researched all this earlier in 2020. Um, yeah. it, it's met, it's trade show, it's a trade show platform, right? It, it absolutely is. And I, I say that to people that this isn't new technology. It, it, it's been around you know, for some time. Obviously it's gone through the roof because of the, uh, you know, the supply and demand issue, um, but it's just, it's, it's new to the hobby. Uh, and you know, to be clear, I, I didn't do the research, but I, you know, my team, you know, Mikey and his team, who also did all the, the heavy lifting on, on the Becca show as well, did the research. But yeah, I, I jumped in early. I did want to make a point that you made me think of I hadn't talked about earlier in terms of a learning from the first event, because it's important to the dealers that were there. And I think I've talked to most people about it. But uh, one of the things that we experienced very early on in the first virtual was in the event chat. Um, you had a ton of people posting okay, I've got this for sale and here's my eBay store that weren't uh, set up as vendors. And that would be like somebody coming in and, and you know, setting up a booth outside of the door of the expo hall. You know, obviously that's not cool at any level and I wanted to support my dealers. So um, we, we obviously uh, reined that in and we, we changed it. But one of the things we did in terms of uh, both 
immediately getting people to stop doing that, like outreaching, reaching out to them directly. But what we also did was we set up one of the session rooms as a trading at a trading room. So we actually put a couple of trading events where we opened up a session room for an hour and promoted it on the event chat. Hey, if you want to do that, you can run this in, in, in this room at this time. And that was successful. And it supported the dealers who paid to be there. And, uh, you know, that's important to, uh, to do so. That's great. Yeah, I think that I think that's a, a great step in the right direction. I, I heard that complaint myself, yeah. um, and I think that that's something that 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 you know, great step by you guys, Mitch. I'm kind of you know curious. So you're new to the virtual. How have you found the platform to be as you have? I'm I'm and we I haven't discussed this with you, but I'm assuming you you've checked it out by now to see kind of what you're what you're involved with. Twice. Yeah. Tell us, as someone who maybe saw it for the first time more recently, how did you find it and what what are you excited about in terms of the platform itself? It's a no, it's a tremendous platform. I'm like I said, I'm not a tech guy. I'm not you know, I, I do my occasional Zoom meetings here and there, but I'm not a user. Uh, and I found it extremely user friendly. Steve took me through it. I've sat through numerous as my wife who helps me run the show in Chicago. Uh, the demos and just like you said, you know, it's being prepared. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. You start realizing, you know, you're intimidated at first, but all of a sudden you click this and oh, there's actually something there. And, you know, it happens and, you know, it's Internet. And if something goes wrong, you pop right back on and you come back to life, so to speak. So uh, it seems like an incredible platform from everything that I've spoken to prior to getting together with Steve and then moving forward since Hopin seems like it's the platform to do this on. And I'm, you know, I'm real excited to be involved. Awesome. And you know, one thing I'll say, so the first time we did it, Steve at the virtual uh, in June, mm -hmm. I remember, you know, I'd have people in my, in my booth with me on my screen. So again, anyone else who was browsing would come by and they'd see, Oh, there, there's, there's, that must be the guy whose booth it is. Cause it says Jeremy right there. And there's three or four other guys there and they could come in and they could kind of just, listen to us talking, watch us talking about whatever we're talking about. But there was some echoes. I was noticing there were some echoes. You know, sometimes people had two windows open. I want to say that I don't know what happened between then and, and this past week, but I didn't notice any of those issues at the industry summit. And I don't know if that's because the people that were taking part in it would mute one one window if they had another one open or what it was, but it was it was just so much smoother than the first time. So maybe that's an improvement to the hop-in platform. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter, but I just want to say that that was, that worked out really well. But that brings me to another point that, you know, I could, if you're, if you're an attendee at the show and you want, you have two screens in, in your, you know, on, on your desk, you can have one screen where you're browsing the, the, um, the reception or the expo itself going from booth to booth. And you can have another screen up or another browser window with the main stage. So speaking of the main, and that's awesome because you can, you know, you can multitask. With that said, Steve, um, who are some of the athletes you guys have booked to appear on the main stage uh, a month from now? Just in case I, I forget to address it, uh, it's pretty important. What you just mentioned about the, uh, the multiple cameras, it's also a critical component for dealers setting up booths. Um, so as you know, you can have multiple cameras set up in your booth. Now, um, and many people just set up because they're working from home. They, they set up their booth from their, their home camera. But even with that, you can have your, your webcam on your camera. You can have a cell phone uh, if you're walking around your room to show other pieces, or even if you want to do it as a breaker might show the, the front and the back of a card or that kind of detail. But beyond that, you can even you can even go further. So if you wanted to be at home, but you have a, a bricks and mortar store and you wanted somebody working in your store to be doing that, 
you can have multiple locations tapping into the same booth. So uh, great functionality that way. And literally almost anything you, you can imagine wanting to set up, you can. Uh, you can run shared video through that. You can create uh, loops for when you're not in the booth and that kind of thing. So uh, so sorry, uh, I just want to mention that because that again is key and I've got a good memory, but it's short. So I want to wanted to hit on it. Um, and so one of the great things again about Mitch and part of why I reached out to him in the first place was that uh, he's got deep roots in the hobby. And a, a big part of that, as he mentioned a bit at the outset, is with uh, with respect to, uh, to guests and experience with that. Um, even now with my expo, I don't own the pavilion. I, I basically lease it out and I'm kind of the house and I kind of promote it and got everything, but I don't know enough about that piece. Mitch does, and he's got great contacts. And uh, actually, I mean, I'd, I'd love Mitch, you want to speak about who's who's coming and, and uh, cause you, again, know and, both of them. And by, by pavilion, by pavilion, Steve means the autograph pavilion, just right. to, just to yeah. be crystal clear. Right. Mitch. The autograph, the autograph area, we call the autograph pavilion at our shows. Yeah. Um, we've just announced this week, uh, we're not giving away too much, we'll have some more names. We really just have announced our two spokesmen for the show. And we have uh, the Golden Jet, Bobby Hall, obviously, great Hall of Fame career, and Chicago Blackhawks. And we also have longtime Montreal Expo and Chicago Cup Hall of Famer, Andre Dawson. So those are our two spokespeople, and you're going to start to see them doing some uh, uh, virtual advertisements that are out and that they've put together. We'll have some additional names coming later uh, this week, upcoming week. I don't want to spoil anything right at the moment, but there'll be some interesting guests, uh, not, and not only sports. We'll have some non-sports, some celebrities along those lines. So I think there'll be some cool uh, ideas, and we talked about earlier, we'll be able to do one-on-one -on -one video chats, get you know, personalized items, inscribed items, all kinds of unique things, just like at a regular live show. So Steve, how, you know, I'm curious because I was part of the first one. I'm part of the second one. You brought Mitch in and you guys have kind of just tonight, you've already sort of mentioned, you know, I reached out to him. How did you guys really connect? What was the, what made you Steve reach out to Mitch or did Mitch reach out to you? How did that come about? You know, inquiring minds want to know, how is this thing? Cause you're, you're elevating it to the next level now by bringing Mitch, uh, Mitch on and involving him with you. How did that all come about? Um, well, it, it was pretty pragmatic at the outset and uh, with no offense to you, Mitch, I, 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 I was, <laughs> I realized I wanted a, uh, wanted growth. Um, so I was just, it was really growth by acquisition, if you will, or, or, you know, as opposed to making it organic and trying to you know, talk to five or 10 or 20 more dealers. Uh, or what can I do again? Just given that this is now virtual, given that um, you know, many of my dealers are still hockey focused, what can I do that would move this up? Uh, and again, there's not a, lot, not a big window between June and, and November um, and even post that in terms of how much time I had to make this make this work. Uh, you know, it was really, all right, what can I do to make this happen? And uh, um, and through, you know, uh, through Joel, actually, Joel Alpert, um, I said, hey, can you introduce me to Mitch? And uh, it was, you know, that simple. I reached out and kind of uh, made a call. Mitch was receptive, and, and here we are. I didn't take his first, I didn't take his first four phone calls, and I finally no, said, I, 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 you know, give it a shot. while to yeah. get the first few no's anyway. So. That's kind of funny because Joel Alpert is completely unrelated. I, I know Joel just my own without either of you guys. And uh, he happens to be the guest on my show a week from today. So that's, that's funny. pretty funny. Maybe I'll, I'll ask him what that was like. And and Mitch, from your end of things, sort of, what did you first think? What, were, you, were, you, were you in right away? Did you have to talk about it with your team? 
tell us a bit about how how you uh, kind of got how you decided to come on board. Yeah, so obviously, when the live went down in March, I mean, we were literally we were the guinea pigs. We were my dealers were set up in the room in March when the governor on dealer setup night came on at five o'clock and said shutting down anything over two hundred and fifty people, and that was like Thursday night at five p.m. And you know, like I said, half my dealers in the room were set up. So we were it and was like, okay, what do we do? So, you know, at that point, we basically set up new dates for May, June, July, figuring this is going to be short lived and we'd be right back at it. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. And then we've never figured there's no way we'll have to worry about November. So, you know, all of a sudden now July comes along and we know we're not doing a show. And I start, you know, thinking about what are the other options? And I had heard that Steve had run this show. And like I said, I had known about the Toronto show. Uh, I was with Fanatics and Fanatics had done Steve's show actually several times while I was still there before I had gone. And so I was familiar with the show, phenomenal show. And I'm, and I heard he had run a virtual. I was not part of it. Uh, and then when a mutual friend, Joel, obviously kind of put us together, I was I, Steve and I spoke and I said, look, you know, I've been talking about it. I don't even know what a virtual show really means because like I said, I'm not in the tech world, but I know you've run one. I've heard great things about it. It was successful. Um, you know, and he was like, I hey, would love to expand into North America and we have one of the largest shows. And we just kind of said, this seems to make sense. And we hit it off um, and went from there and just been bouncing ideas off and how to grow this thing. And like we said earlier, I think it'll be here to stay. I think it'll be uh, just a piece of the live as we go forward, almost a way to interact with your customers year round in between the lives. Yeah. I was so going to, we, we were excited about being involved. That's great. I was going to ask you if you had been considering any virtual type event yourself before you met C, but you just mentioned to me that mm -hmm. you started thinking about it in July and heard he did it. So that takes care of that. Let's go to some more comments and questions. Um, we did touch on it, but we'll touch on it again because I'll, I'll ask you both to speak to this one. So uh, Billy, also known as Cardboard Nostalgia, says, Steve, you mentioned previously you don't collect, but with increased interest in sports cards during 2020 and money flowing into the hobby, have you invested in any cards? So that's a great. Have you, Steve, do you, do you have you bought a single sports card uh, this year? <laughs> I've made uh, so a couple of uh, Yes, at the National, I've purchased not, not cards, memorabilia. I, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to uh, older stuff, so I, I, I have a particular penchant for pens, and uh, um, you like what I did there, the alliteration, uh, and I have some pretty cool old pens, but uh, no, just in the last uh, two months, I've made three card purchases. Um, I bought a, uh, I don't even know what, what which one it was, I'm going to make me look. <laughs> uh, I bought a George Armstrong autograph card, I bought a Matthews Young Guns, and uh, I bought a my first set, it was a Opichi 75 or 76 set, I think. Okay. So, yeah, no rhyme or reason. Um, just if I like oh, you've been, a couple things, I bought them. So you've you've dabbled, you've been dabbling. And Mitch, you know, we, we know about your history with uh with the show. What about yourself in the hobby? I mean, you mentioned you set up shows uh, in 1979, you set up your first card show. Are you a collector? What, do you collect now? Do you invest? What's your approach to the hobby? I uh, uh, have collecting in my blood. My dad did. I think he passed that down. I collect everything. We're all kinds of eclectic. If you come to my house, you can see behind me, the Simpsons are sitting. That's their life size. So um, there is everything and anything in my house from sports to like Beatles, McDonald's, you name it. I collect it. 
Uh, my first set I purchased was a 1954 top set. Loved the set, paid $500 for it. Couldn't believe that I actually was going to spend that kind of money on a baseball card set. Sold it for $700 about two years later. Thought I was the smartest guy in the world. Made a fortune, 200 bucks. And uh, the rest is history, as they say there. So, yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, all kinds of stuff over the years that I personally collect, things that I put away for investment. Uh, obviously, being involved in, like I said, the founder of Mounted Memories, which is a large autograph company, a lot of autograph product over the years. Uh, but like I said, yeah, I've got the collecting bug. It's definitely in my genes. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your your days with uh, Fanatics and, and sort of how that? Uh, um, Fanatics it just rolls backwards. So again, so 1989, I started Mounted Memories. We had become the largest wholesale, basically manufacturer of autograph memorabilia and acrylic display cases in the country. We would sell from everybody from mom pop stores to if you watch QVC and saw Super Bowl shows, it was our product that was on. We would supply the guests if the Cowboys won and Emmett Smith was on. He was there courtesy of Mount Memories. Uh, in 1998, 99, I believe, we actually did a merger with a company, public company called Dreams Inc., uh, which owned the Field of Dreams stores throughout the country at the time, which I'm sure many fans in all the high end malls like Caesars Forum Shops and Mall of the Americas in Minnesota. Um, and then later on, basically in 2012, we ultimately sold the company to Fanatics. Uh, so, and I stayed on as their vice president of memorabilia for five years till 2017. And then in 2017, decided to uh, purchase the show outright, which we mentioned earlier, and a few other ventures that I still dabble in representing certain players for autographs along those lines. Um, that's how we got here today. Awesome. Okay. No, good. Sure. Good to know. We're going to go to a few more comments now that have been, that have come in for the last half an hour almost. So I'm behind on them, but I do want to address them. We have a, a meet 99 goals. Uh, virtual expo will be a blast. I am so looking forward to it. A meet will be joining me later tonight on this channel. And uh, it was another successful vendor at the first virtual expo. Uh, Chris says virtual is great because enable it. Oh, did we do this one? No, it, Virtual is great because it enables those unable to afford the travel, et cetera, to visit the show and purchase items. Yes, of course. Ken says the virtual is a great thing that you were doing, but I can't wait to get back to the in-person show. Same here. Brian Palmer, welcome to the show. Good evening, gentlemen. There's nothing like an in-person show, but I'm still very excited about the virtual expo. Spectacular. Um, great event staff. Is that is that is that Mikey? <laughs> welcome to the show, Mikey. Good to see you. And yes, the event staff was awesome at the uh, industry summit, and I'm sure they'll be awesome again at the virtual coming up later uh, in November. Colin says, we now know names will show up. Awesome. Paul Cashman, I like browsing while listening to Jeremy and me chatting with visitors. It was like a real card show. That's a great comment for anybody watching who hasn't been to the last one and wants to come. He's, I'm going to read, I like browsing while listening. So he obviously had two windows open, you know, whether he was watching my booth or a meets booth, and we were talking to, Whoever was in there, he could be in there, have like a, a live stream podcast going and then be be browsing the show itself at the same time. You can't do that at a card show. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Paul says, good evening. Dar oh, that must be my buddy Darcy's in the background there, right there. That must be Darcy. Welcome to the show, Darcy. Uh, Amit, Billy, you need to come hang out with us one day. Yes, for sure. Amit says, I've owned a show before. My hat's off to you both. I definitely think you do a great job and I appreciate your efforts. That's great. This is important. So we got Mikey, who who is one of the facilitators of the platform. So he's saying the platform has improved over the past six months. More control for the moderators or a camera over a case on a tripod, adding and removing to it throughout the event, similar to what you would do during a live event. 
That's uh, see, that's that's really great stuff right there. Terry's excited that we got the Golden Jet and the Hawk coming out. Absolute Mike, welcome to the show. Good evening to you. I would like to take some credit for his. Okay, so sometimes the people in the chat talk to each other, and I see it, and I put it on screen, and then I realize, okay, these guys are just talking to each other, which happens a lot, and that's great. But uh, we don't need to look at all. We don't need to see it all. Amit does want to sell Steve a copy of his of his own rookie card, which he does have. Chris West has a question for Mitch. Is that a Three Stooges cut autograph set framed behind you? It is a Three Stooges autograph checks. It is a set of, it has Shemp, Mo, Larry, and Shemp, and they are autograph individual checks. So, yes, like I said, I collect everything. Three Stooges is among them. I also own a frame shop, so I do a lot of custom framing. So that was framed by us there. But, yes, that's a uh, Three Stooges vintage piece for sure. Awesome. Okay, here's a here's a question from Joe. This is kind of a more more hobby, you know, state of the hobby kind of thing. He says, with so much longevity in the hobby, I was just wondering if Mitch has any reflections on the ways in which collectors have or haven't changed throughout the decades. Mitch, is that something that you can uh, kind of speak to, kind of uh, off well, the cuff here? Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest change is now, and let's call it the chase product that's in cards. You know, prior to in the early 90s, you know, when, when the rookie card boom hit, like we talked about earlier from 81 and into the mid and late 80s, when cards were on fire, there really were no chase cards. Um, and, you know, you always had your collector who was still coming in with his list and of 72s and he needs these four and he's working with his son to complete the set. Um, but then when 1990-91 came and the industry just went down and card companies are actually were on the verge of going out of business, um, credit to them. They came up with different types of chase and all of that. And we saw a different mentality come back into the industry. And I want to say it's a gambling mentality because now what you see is you see young and old alike go to a table and buy a box of cards. I don't care if it's a fifth. Yeah, he just froze for a sec. He'll be back. Mitch is frozen for a moment. That's okay. While Mitch is coming back to us, we will go to some more comments uh, Brian says the meets Ricky card auto is the cornerstone type of card. I own several copies. Uh, Mikey wants to know what is each of your favorite cards and why? So I don't know, Mikey, if you're, if you're, if you're pitching that to us, uh, Steve, Steve has three cards. We already know what they are. So I don't know if he has a favorite. I, I, I do love um, sort of sixties era tops baseball. And I do love the parties, the early parties. Um, the early, I, I just, early I, again, I like the graphic design and, and the, uh, that stuff. So um yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Uh, if I were down to that, you know, I was thinking about it today because I was listening to I was listening to a podcast. Uh, so we must have lost Mitch. Hopefully he'll come back in. I was listening to a podcast earlier today about it's called the uh, the basketball card podcast. Uh, it's by my buddy Adam, who does um, also the basketball card fanatic magazine. He's the real 27 guy on Instagram. And he did a, an article in his most recent magazine about the top 10 most iconic um, basketball cards in the history of basketball. And he had you know, 15 different guys rank them. And anyway, I started thinking to myself, what would I consider to be the most iconic hockey card? I'm a hockey card guy first and foremost. So to me, what's the most iconic hockey card of all time? Without even thinking about, I didn't have to think about it. It's the Wayne Gretzky rookie card to me. It, it pops into my mind immediately as the number one most iconic hockey card, followed by the Bobby Orr rookie card. And then after that, I know people out there. You know, there's all sorts of arguments for for the whether it's the George Vezina or it's the Gordie Howe or it's the Sidney Crosby Young Guns. Maybe it's the Jacques Plante rookie card. Maybe it's the Mario Lemieux, the Patrick Waugh. Could be 
one of dozens, the Rocket Richard, who knows? But to me, the most iconic hockey card is the Wayne Gretzky rookie card. And there might only be one, you know, one or it might be one of the top five most iconic cards in the history of the hobby, in my opinion. I mean, you got the 52 tops, Mickey Mantle, the 86 Fleer, Michael Jordan, a few others, but really what else is going to be, uh, is up there. Terry, Terry says, Jeremy, stop pumping the Gretzky rookie. Well, why should I stop? I'm not pumping it, Terry. I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just speaking the truth. Coming from a guy, Terry, who has about a hundred of these things. So, uh, I don't know why you want me to stop pumping it, Terry. It's good for you, but I'm not pumping anything. I'm just talking about what I think is the most iconic card. And it's clearly the Wayne Gretzky rookie card, in my opinion. Um, what does Mikey say? It's like trying to buy a pack of paintings with one having the potential of being a masterpiece. Yeah, see, that's a good comment based on what Mitch was saying before um, he unceremoniously had to leave us. Uh, just that, you know, it's the, the hobby has gone a lot to the gamble versus the filling in your binder pages with those few comments you need to fill in your 63 tops baseball set or your 75 OPG hockey set or your 86 Fleer basketball set. Right. It's, gone, it's gone to the gamble. So that's an interesting analogy that you come up with there, Mikey. <laughs> Chris says, uh, it's the Zygmunt Palfi rookie card, Jeremy. Everyone needs three at least. That's a, a running inside joke. A lot of you won't get that, but that I do. That's funny. Um, Steve, you know what? Hopefully Mitch does come back. In the meantime, why don't you tell us a little bit about the other sort of side? I don't know if it's a side project, a complementary project, but it's really a... I think it's a big deal what you have going on. It's the Sports Card Expo app. Why don't you tell everybody what this thing's all about? Yeah, no, I'd be, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to because I'm, I'm super excited about it. Again, I've uh, I jumped into something I know next to nothing about. Uh, but um, probably actually about a year ago, I, I started to look at this project. So obviously it was something that was pre-pandemic. Um, and given my show background from prior to owning the uh, Sportcard Expo. Obviously, I've I've seen show apps before, and you know I was kind of lukewarm on them. Um, and I really, you know, I saw it as a as a as a digital brochure more than anything, and I didn't really see the, the need to invest in that. But um, I was approached by uh, by a company that knows the hobby exceptionally well, and also knows the app space exceptionally well, and convinced me kind of what the opportunity might be. Uh, so we went, we dove, we dove into it last November, and uh, we're back. Uh, we're back. Oh, he's back. Bird. <laughs> Welcome back. Keep going, Steve. We're having a major storm. I don't know if that's ultimately what knocked this out, but last time I paid for high-speed internet. I don't know. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Mitch. Steve, pick up where you left off. Yeah. So, um, and obviously, once COVID hit, uh, I, I put the app on hold, and you know, a month or two after that, I got back into discussions with the uh, uh, with the development group, and they really started to push hard on the on the buy sell functionality. So. Again, I'll do a bit of a, a detour on this, but uh, when I was looking at platforms, when Mikey was looking at platforms for this and I was uh, the beneficiary of his hard work, um, my main goal was, I didn't care, yeah, it would have been nice to have, I didn't care as much about the the visual presentation. So uh, these platforms aren't there where you can get, you know, three-dimensional presentations of rooms and stages and everything else. And that's kind of cool, but it's a, it's a bell and a, or a whistle. Um, my goal, first and foremost, is to be able to have a platform through which dealers could buy and sell. You know, ultimately, the dealers are the backbone of my show and, and every show, uh, and that's they were my primary uh, stakeholder in the decision. So that's what that's what drove that. So you know, um, fast forward then to the app uh, comment again. 
the key thing for me in that was to, to offer the same thing. Um, a couple different things. So part of my goal with the expo is, is to grow it, obviously, but to grow it in a lot of different ways. Right now, in simple business terms, it's a six-day-a-year uh, property. Um, and there aren't many businesses going to make money six days a year. Um, but I'm, I'm not saying that it isn't good. I'm not happy with it. But there's more opportunity. And I know that 99.999% of my dealers aren't buying and selling only on those six days a year. So the buy and sell became a, a key focus of the uh, of the app. And so that's what's been really driving it. Uh, and obviously, COVID has accelerated that that much more. Um, and again, we've talked already this evening about what happens post, post COVID. So when we're back to normal or whatever modified new normal is, um, I see the app as being something that's going to be around 24 seven, 365. Uh, so it's brand extension uh, for me. It's an opportunity for dealers to buy and sell throughout. It's an opportunity for collectors to have a, a, a marketplace through which to, to buy and sell ongoing. So is this something that, that we can, that we as, um, you know, regular expo attendees or spectacular attendees that we can actually download onto our phone right now. Is it, is it live for the public right now? It went live yesterday. So it's approved on uh, late yesterday. It was approved on both the iOS and the, the Apple and the, uh, uh, the Android stores. So yes, I haven't promoted it yet, um, but I wanted to make sure it was up and, and live. My first step is going to be uh, dealer outreach um, to get people to, to download it in advance so that when I do start to the push that there's more, uh, there'll be more dealers loaded in there. Similarly, to start to load buy and sell pieces. Um, uh, shameless plug here a little bit. So part of what we're doing with the virtual is uh, dealers that sign up for the virtual are gonna get uh, uh, free access to the app um, for the first 90 days. So that's, I mean, that benefits all, but uh, uh, so that's part of what I'm trying to get set up as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. Go back to a few of the comments that that, that have come up. Um, uh, Bobby Burrell, welcome, says the most iconic card is based on age demographic. And that that's interesting because I agree. I mean, we can, yeah. and Mitch, this is when you were gone, when you, when you had to okay. take, take a short break. Before we were talking about break, right? iconic cards. So we'll just, uh, we'll just speak to this for momentarily here. And I, I agree with Bobby, you know, it's like, you know, if, if you're 30 years or younger, the most, most iconic card might not be a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. It might be the cross if for hockey, it might be the Crosby baseball. It might be Jeter instead of Mickey Mantle or, Instead of uh, Ricky Henderson, whoever whoever it was, and there's not a lot of huge uh, '70s baseball rookies um, out, out there. But as I try and appeal to all sports uh, fans, uh, but uh, yeah, I agree. But if you did have to think, if you had to make a list, and it's fun making lists of what is the most iconic card of all time in terms of us sport in hockey, I'd still vote for the Gretzky rookie. But that's just me. Amit says it's a gamble to go to grocery store these days. I have no issue gambling on wax. Yeah, why not, right? If if you if you like it, you like it, and uh, and hey, if there aren't people willing to open up the wax, there's no secondary singles market. So I very much support people who open up the wax, definitely. Uh, Chris West, uh, sorry, right here. Chris West says, question for Steve: What about the hobby has surprised you the most? Good question. Hmm. You want me to answer that now? Yeah, yeah. If you have, if you if you have an answer ready to go, I think I know. I think I know what it is because you and I have sort of had a discussion about it before, and I, I'm wondering if you're going to clue into that uh, 
that particular thread or not? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not catching it. The first thing I go to, and in because, partly because it came up in the, in the Beckett Summit this week, is that for a hobby based on passion, I'm continually surprised and underwhelmed by how much negativity there is. Um, and I, when I was running, you know, Fanxpo and the Comic Cons before, you know, we used to talk to staff and say, "Look, guys, we're not curing cancer here. Um, we are we are supporting uh, in a good way. We are enabling people to enjoy uh, the, the community, the hobby, and everything else. So, smile, have fun. Uh, you know, let them have fun." And I get the passion cuts both ways, so you can't just ask for positive passion. Uh, it, it, so, but that that's part of it. I, I would say that's probably it. Okay. And what I was, what I was thinking, Steve, was we had the discussion where you said to me, you know, because I, the first time I think I met you, I said, Hey, how's it going? I'm Jeremy. You know, this is at the expo. I said, all right, just, you know, mark me down, same booth, same place. Next time you got my credit card on file, we're done. I don't need to show up at 8am the next morning to book my booth. I've never done that. I want my same booth, same time forever. That's kind of what I said. And I think you're, you're kind of, you, one of the things I thought you thought was surprising about the hobby was that we're pretty, you know, kind of set in our ways. We want to, you know, we, we have locations at these shows. We don't want to be moved around. And I think it was a lot about the community that, that you really thought surprised you that there's, it's not just guys coming into a trade show, setting up and going home. There's people in that room have relationships. There are communities, whether they're in person or online. I thought you were really impressed by that. I want to let everybody know Mikey Singer has joined us. He's backstage. Mikey, I know you can hear me right now. I'm, I'm happy to bring you on screen. So I'll bring you on in a couple seconds here. We're just going to get through a couple comments. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you on, Mikey. Just give me two minutes here. Um, okay, yeah. Peter says the Gretzky rookie is the bridge between current and vintage as well. That makes sense to me. And here's a question from Billy. Uh, he says, in terms of foot traffic, have you guys noticed an increase since you purchased your respective shows pre-COVID? So really interesting, like, you know, from for you, Steve, from 2016 up until COVID, how has the the attendance at the expo changed? Um, yeah, actually, I had a, a very small, uh, like when I say that, um, between 2 to 7% uh, uptick, not each show, but in, in, the, four, in the first uh, three years. So I did see that. Um, yeah, so that's, some, that's some growth. Yep. What about you, Mitch? How, how have the last three or four years uh, gone at your show in terms of uh, attendance? It's been increasing steadily. Again, you know, I've been through, in it long enough, like I said, that I've seen peaks and valleys when memorabilia was the hot thing. And, we, you know, we had 90% memorabilia dealers in the room as opposed to card dealers. And now cards have come all the way back. Um, but as far as the public, I mean, you know, obviously with social media branching out because we were doing shows long before social media, you know, the ability to reach so many people uh, that, you know, for example, we had The Undertaker back in November and, we don't, you know, we don't have too many wrestlers, but the element, uh, the, the different type of demographic that came out to see him were not normal card show people, even though they lived in and around the Chicago area, they hadn't seen them before and I might not see them again after. So a lot of it depends on the guest selection and things along those lines as well. But as a whole, to answer your question, a pretty dramatic increase year over year over the last couple of years pre-COVID. Awesome. Okay, Mikey, check the private chat for a second, please. And then Steve, do you expect a recovery? And this is something that was on our um, on our agenda to talk about. It's like, what's going to happen post pandemic and COVID in terms of 
2021. Do you guys expect a recovery, uh, a card show recovery, a live card show recovery? Are you booking venues and dates? Uh, Mitch, start with you. We already have our uh, we have our date set. We have our March date set, and then our November doesn't vary. It's always the weekend prior to Thanksgiving. So our 2021 dates are already set. Uh, so yes, we're expecting uh, obviously day by day and state by state. So who knows what that's going to be? Um, but my expectation is there's a lot of pent up energy, and uh, you know looking forward to live as well as this you know virtual. So I think we'll be able to come back. Obviously, it'll be a different scenario and whether it's social distancing and everything else that goes along with it that we've all learned that we have to put into place. Maybe there'll be less guests uh, as opposed to packing them in, you know, for three straight days. But yeah, I think that there's a you know great uh, demand for the live shows. And I think if they'll come back as they're allowed to come back, they'll come back strong. And I got to think the venues that you have dates booked on, they must, obviously they understand that they're in the same business you are in a way. And if the, if the government says no, then you know you're gonna not lose deposits, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean half the venues were turned into hospitals, as you saw mm -hmm. in New York with the Javits Center. Uh, same thing in Illinois. Donald E. Stevens was used as an overflow, so it got to a point where there wasn't an option anyway. It wasn't like it was the facility saying that they wouldn't open. State says you're not having it. So you right. know whether it was myself or you know we a tattoo show, a Halloween show, you a car a car show, whatever it was, there wasn't there wasn't a show going on. Steve, anything you want to add to this? Um, no, it's pretty similar. I mean, throughout the summer and into the fall, I mean, I was doing a number of things. I was monitoring things. I was working with the facility to see um, what options I had. Uh, some of you may recall I sent out a survey you know, just saying, look, we're able to hold an event in November. Who's who's in? Uh, I think I had about 100 and some odd responses, and 86% of people said if we could hold it, they were there. Uh, I mean, a lot of that uh, is due to the great loyalty, but it's also, I think, just – statement to the uh, uh the success of the hobby right now um but you know i was also looking at other options um part of what people have been trying to do is to have shows designated as re in the same category as retail settings yeah. so that if you have enough basically i think the calculation was 45 square feet per, per person so in a hundred thousand square foot building you'd be allowed essentially to have 2500 vendors yeah pardon me attendees but um so I'll continue to monitor all those things, but you know, uh, both Mitch and I have talked about it. I spoke to actually uh, the folks from, from uh, TriStar who do their own shows and then from the national as well in the Beckett Summit. And uh, you were talking about um, what we're each trying to deal with. Um, uh, you know, we're we're going to have to do all the same things that most other events and uh, retail settings have had to do. So part of that we're do I'm doing in the background. You know, how do you have you know, the contact tracing and admission? I mean, part of the problem slash great thing about our shows is that you know 80% of the people show up and, and buy tickets for cash um, that may well change obviously yeah. the autograph really is a whole other component and that will that will be have the most market change for sure but yeah. I agree that there's a lot of pent-up demand and I think everyone dealer and collector and fan alike will support okay. when we get back to it so people were asking kind of what was the name of the app again, but, you know, Colin put up sport. It's not sports card expo. It's sport card expo, right? No S yeah. on sports. It's sport. The app is the sport card expo right. for anybody who wants to go check it out. Yeah. Uh, Brian says the expo app is a great idea with a lot of potential. Very interested to see how it develops. I think a lot of people are interested. Amit says Steve has discovered how cool Jeremy and Amit are. Christmas cards are appreciated. <laughs> Yes, we would sleep and we'd sleep in our booth space. We would. 
okay, so we have Mikey Singer in the in the back room right now. I'm going to bring him out. And what's really cool, I'm glad he's joining because Mikey is the guy who is like, I, I guess, tech support for the platform. So this is one of the guys who's out there look, going from booth to booth, session to session, main stage, and making sure that the thing is running properly. So let's bring him out. Mikey, welcome to Sports Cards Live, man. Episode 57. Happy to have you. How are you awesome. doing? Awesome to be here. Awesome to be just making sure I'm not on mute on my Blue Yeti. Um, but uh, awesome to be here and awesome not to be behind the camera stressing about putting up banners or questions and things like that or running people when uh, when there's a tech issue with Mitch. You know, it's not me having to control it tonight. It's all you. So, so it's nice so Mike, to be on this so, so t you know, tell us, because the people watching right now, they want to know what to expect at the virtual expo, whether they're attendees or vendors. We've, and I mean, I don't know if you've been tuning in from the beginning, but we've, you know, I, I kind of described what it looks like on screen. Steve talked about the different uh, areas, the way you can navigate throughout it. What can you sort of add to the, to, to kind of let the audience know? And with my goal, obviously, I want to see more and more people come to this thing. I want to see more and more vendors sign up for it. What can you share with everybody to kind of provide comfort and ease ease any stress that people might be feeling about setting up or navigating this thing? Yeah, so I think the, the first thing they need to, to realize is that um, although new, this will feel very familiar to you. So after five minutes, as Mitch said, once he came on the platform and, and really clicked around a little bit, what it feels like is an older version of Facebook. Uh, so a lot of people will be familiar with it. Second is... It's really easy to use. The only thing you have to have is Chrome. Once you're on Chrome, you'll be in. And I promise you, if you do have trouble, uh, we're all there to navigate you. Just like if there was uh, a facility that you weren't used to going, you'd look for info people. All our staff are there to direct you around. And the last part is, it's really dynamic. So unlike a Zoom conversation, which you may think this is what you're going into, it is not that. Uh, on your right-hand side and throughout you, throughout the event, we'll follow the chat. Uh, this is where you'll be able to interact and have fun with all the other participants. On top of that, if you see a friend that you see at all your other events and expos, and that's why you come to these things, it's very easy for you to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and have that link up that you've been so missing. Uh, just recently on LinkedIn, I, I was going back and forth with another event professional and saying, you know, he's like, it, it, there's nothing to replace live events and the endorphins of meeting up in, in person. I said, you know, go to an awesome hopping event with us and you'll see what you can really do on a virtual platform. And Jeremy, you said this uh, quickly before. Uh, one of the awesome things about the Industry Summit is there was a real focus on the networking portion of the event. And this is, again, a one on one area where you link up randomly. So. I don't know if you ever go to these mixers or parties or anything like that, but if you want to talk to someone uh, that you maybe aren't friends with, it's very hard to do so in a group of 100 people. That means you've got to go interrupt their conversation with their friends and hope that they're going to spend their time with you. Whereas inside the networking, you may end up with the head of Panini uh, and having that one-on-one -on -one conversation about your store that you would never have the opportunity to do in in a larger setting so that that's that's one part of it the second is we talked about this in terms of player meetings and creating those memories and really that's you know brandon steiner touched on this at, at his talk at the industry summit 
and it's creating moments and memories for people with the with the them not just getting an autograph um what we can do on these platforms is really create a one-on-one -on -one moment so unlike the uh, unlike the um sorry unlike the uh you know autograph sessions that you have at shows where there's a hundred or two hundred people behind you and there's the handler and then there's the the authenticator and you move boom 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 and it's a two second experience and you got to shake their hand if you're lucky and you got to tell them where to put their autograph and you were moved along versus this they're going to have a two minute one-on-one -on -one or 45 second one-on-one -on -one experience that will be recorded and a memory that will serve them a lifetime and that's really what you were paying anyways is for that experience and that one-on-one -on -one memory with that player or hero that you've had throughout life so yeah great information man so i mean as some because you're the guy who steve mentioned earlier you kind of found this platform you must have researched it is it the best platform for a card show or a, i want to change to a sports card and memorabilia show or is it more for uh, a trade show an, an industry sort of trade show for whatever industry like like i i think the answer is yes but i want to know from you because you're an event guy how do you think it holds up against any other options and is it kind of like does it have lasting power? It does. Uh, we've done, so Hopin itself is, uh, is a very successful platform. It just got uh, valuation at $2 billion. So I think they've got some money to last for a bit. Uh, the second part is we've used five other platforms. So we just last week, we ran seven shows over five days using various platforms. I can tell you for what we do and the community that this collecting and hobby is that's why have hopping is the best because it allows them to connect with each other trade with each other talk with each other which is really what these expos were built on which is collecting all of these like-minded people into one room so they can trade collect and and finish those sets as mitch was saying you know get in a room and find those four rare cards to finish that 1950s top set that he never should have sold because it'd probably be worth a million bucks right now you know, things like that. Um, you know, for, for, for me, it's been buying up every RJ Barrett rookie I can get my hands on in every prism and uh, and, and optics, uh, which is my obsession. Guy? Were you a card guy before your involvement with Steven the Expo, <laughs> or is this kind of new for you? So, I, so <laughs> I, I laugh at Steve all the time, and, and even the guys at Beckett, who we just came off of the industry summit. So I was a card guy in the from probably 87 to 92 during the crash, and I still have about 10,000 cards. Everything from, you know, a, a box of Ken Griffey Jr. rookies, and I, I mean the original Don Russ uh, rated rookies and all of the, I, I, I got suckered into buying so many of those upper decks. So I, I have a ton of that. And then four years ago now, I got into the card show with Steve and it was hard not to buy things then. Uh, and then it's only gotten worse. And, and this year it's gotten to an all, all time crescendo. I, I've, pretend that every time a new card arrives in the mail from eBay or whoever that I bought it months ago and it just takes a really long time to get here to my life <laughs> and I hide it in a new spot you can see a bunch of them here yeah uh, <laughs> and some awesome. are hidden 
Okay, I'm going to go to a couple of comments here. This one, uh, Anonymous, says, nothing like watching the World Series in a tied game along with sports cards live feed. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Amit promises to give Mikey a hard time at the next show. <laughs> then Amit says, Mitch and Steve, have you, have you both come up with a messaging strategy for the show collectively? This is truly an international event with a U.S. and Canadian sponsor. Uh, who wants to speak to that? Mitch, you haven't spoken for a few minutes. Why don't you take this one? Yeah, no, we've just, like I said, working hand in hand with Steve and really just promoting to our both our consumer bases and our dealer bases and promoting individual. I think basically this week, and Steve can speak to, will really be coming out as we're within the month now of pushing the expo. Uh, and it is truly a joint effort. So it's not like, you know, I'm just speaking to my people. And he's just speaking to his. Like I said, we have dealers coming on to see both. We have collectors coming on to see both. And uh, like I said, it's a, it's a unified effort, unified front for sure. That, that's great. Steve, anything to add? Um, yeah, this could be a good segue for one of the things you mentioned at the beginning you might want to talk about. But um, so as I mentioned at the at the outset, the audience was almost evenly split between Canada and the U.S., which is not lost on anybody that was was involved. Many dealers um, and sponsors as well. Uh, Chris Carlin from Upper Deck said the same thing. He said he personally had three or four chats within networking from guys in Finland and Italy and you know, various other places, which quite excited him on that because again, he's got a very global, uh, global outlook. So um, it's, so it's inherently that way. And, you know, while there's some intricacies we need to work around, for example, um, you know, if I want to buy series one, that's going to be now released likely the day or two days before uh, the virtual expo, I got to make sure. And well, this is more incumbent on the dealers, but they're selling to uh, buyers in their own, in their respective countries. But um, so no, it, it, kind of automatically blends it or markets itself as a as a virtual international virtual show but uh, uh yeah we're, we're doing that um you know the, the advertising that we're doing is primarily north american focused but it also is hobby driven um and you know the, the segue being that a lot of money and interest uh into the hobby comes from outside of north america as well so yeah for sure and i just want to mention because well mikey you're still here you're welcome to stick around man i just want to mention yeah. you're watching when we're, when you're at the expo this is Mikey's one of the guys, you know, Steve will be there. Mitch will be there. These guys are going to be cruising around, watching things, making sure everything's running smoothly. But Mikey's going to be a guy who will be there to help. And I can tell you, having having attended two events that he has helped facilitate, the, the support team is extremely helpful and they're pretty quick too. So, I mean, I just want to give you some kudos on that, Mikey. You know, you, Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, but it's important because it's new to so many people. And I think a lot of people, attendees and vendors, are a little, you know, they're a little apprehensive. Some of them are likely apprehensive. And I think we understand that because this is yeah. new. Yeah. It's new. But it's new. But understand a couple of things. Number one, you have support. You got the support of Steve and Mitch. And then you got support of the support staff, Mikey and the and the rest of that of his team. And it's not just Mikey. There's like eight or nine of you guys that are out there helping. So that's extreme. That's extremely helpful. And I want to put this up. Colin makes him Colin makes an amazing point. He says for the dealers out there at the last show, the virtual led to me purchasing five collections. <laughs> that's a success, right? Yeah. So it's a success. I can tell you that I've set up at the expo for 15 years now. So what is that? 30 expos or so. This last one was like probably my second best one ever that, you know, not, not just during the two days, but a couple days that followed, there were some deals that lingered, but they got done. They got done a few days later. And that's the beauty of it. You're not just doing deals 
at and during the show. You're meeting customers, you're getting contact information. And if you are somebody who organizes these things and follows up and is building a customer list, you're gonna be able to do that at this show. But the beautiful thing is you've now met these people face-to-face on your screen, which is which is really cool. Amit says, one thing I liked about the last show, our booth was so interesting. The tech support guy joined us for a spirited conversation. So, yeah, uh, I assume that was Scott. Must have been running so smooth that they had time to go in and sit in. But, you know, I think what they're really doing is they're, they're dropping in on the booths to make sure everything is running smooth. And maybe hanging out for a few minutes because there's some interesting conversation going on. So, and Jeremy, you brought up two two good points there. Uh, the first is everything that you sell at the show is just one aspect of it. What we saw from the report that eBay gave to us is there was a massive halo effect for every one of the stores who exhibited at the show. So, for the next month afterwards, they saw an increase of ten to fifteen percent in sales. Uh, as you say, you felt right away. Uh, the second part of that, you know, your comment just now, my team, if you're an exhibitor at the show, you won't be alone out there. We will be searching, watching you. Uh, as Colin found out a couple times when he had some audio issues he wasn't even uh, aware of, we will pop on there and make sure that everything is running correctly. Um, there's even some more more things that we're going to show all of our exhibitors that they've added in the last couple of days, like you can tell. And, and the last part is, what I really love about the platform versus um, some of the, the 3D ones and things like that, you can see who's in the booth with you now. So you can actually engage and talk to them. So it feels like a live event. You're not just a number on a screen. You're a face. You're a person. Someone can say hi to you. You can be recognized and acknowledged. And if you're, the- yeah, I was talking, if you're a people person, if you like engaging in conversation, if you're social by nature, which I... I am. Um, it was so enjoyable to have company in the booth with me. And it was funny because at that point I'd been doing this show for two and a half months and I had people who were loyal viewers come to the expo and sit in the room with me. And it was the first time that I'd met them in, you know, in person on the screen versus just being a name with a comment. And, you know, it, w- it was just another really nice way to meet more people in the hobby, grow the network, grow the community and, and strengthen it, which, you know, Mitch, can you speak to that a little bit? Because you've been in the hobby so long. You've been doing events for so long. The question was asked earlier about how have you seen people change in their collecting? But I want to I want to change the question a little bit to how have you seen the community change since you promoted your first show in 1979, 89? We're 30 years late, 30, 40 years later already. 40, 40. Oh my God. Doing the math. How, how have you seen the community change uh, in those, in that time? Bottom line has become mainstream is really what it was, you know, in, in the late seventies, early eighties. Again, I think collecting or collecting sports cards was looked at more of a, you know, a hobby thing that kids did. Maybe you did with your, with your dad and completed sets. Um, and now it's become every bit of an investment. You know, the investment part of it really wasn't there. When the card boom happened, I said late 80s, a little bit before the crash, as Mikey pointed out. But, um, you know, now it's a lot of it is investment. And you see that. I mean, there was you could never fathom back in 1980 that they'd be coming out with a, you know, a box that would have one pack in it. And that, you know, the the box is thousands of dollars. And, you know, like I said, that gambling mentality, either one or you lost, so to speak, like a scratch off, boom, you're done. Um, that never existed. 
You know, we, we always look forward to the new cards coming out by Topps, Fleer, Donruss, whoever was there. But it was more about the whole box came out, the whole set came out. So the mentality of investment, which, as we talked about earlier, before I got knocked off, the mentality of the gambling mentality of the whole involvement. That's where I've really seen the community change in it. The fact that it's become mainstream and international as well, like we've talked about. True, right? It's become really quite global, especially yep. basketball's reach and all that for sure. Yep. Uh, Colin Collins goes on to say, meet up on Messenger days later, still doing deals from the virtual show. So he's still doing <laughs> deals that spawned out of the virtual back at the end of June. That's what I think the ven- potential vendors out there watching who are maybe on the fence Think about it like you're you're really leaving an opportunity like I was so happy and not not not, no offense to you, Steve, but the first virtual, I was happy there were only 50 vendors. I got so many more eyeballs on my booth. I must have done way more deals that time. So, I mean, what what do you want to jump in with? Uh, Two things, but one that so literally I had close to half the attendance of the regular uh, spring show uh, with a quarter of the number of dealers. So Right. right out of the gate. Um, every dealer had potentially way more customers than they than they normally would. So that's part of when we said earlier how many uh, booths we're going to have. We want to be cognizant of that. Um, we don't want to just have it open ended. But uh, and the other thing is that the other another key advantage to this. Uh, actually, I wanted to comment because ironically, both Mitch and I are somewhat uh, not social in in that regard. We're up so often around a lot of people. We uh, aren't always the most. But um, when you're talking about that, you can see. As a collector or a fan, if I'm coming into your booth, yes, we can have a video chat, but if I don't want to be on video, I don't have to. So that, that's a yep. point. But the other key thing for, for dealers to consider, I had a bunch of the dealers that, that were in the virtual say that, uh, you know what, the savings that I got from the eBay offer alone more than paid for the cost of the booth. Uh, and, and and many had uh, savings much more significant. You know, whether you're a big eBay seller now or, 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 or not, or just coming in new, uh, there are offers that attract both. So that's a key point. And then I just want to clarify on that because everyone does see the event is powered by eBay and they've been tremendous partners uh, for us on this. Um, but a couple of things, you don't need to transact uh, through eBay on the platform. Um, now, yeah. many people do, and there's obviously inherent advantages to doing that with respect to PayPal and, and insurance and that sort of thing. But uh, so they've been great to work with. Uh, but again, the, the offers that are extended to dealers and there's some slight distinctions between Canada and the U.S. in that regard, but are, are great in and of themselves. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I'll just say it because I'm not involved with you guys. I'm just here hosting you as my guest this evening. But I, as a vendor, I would I would not be using eBay. I will not be using eBay to sell my cards because. I had success using Dropbox, as I mentioned earlier. Amit used Google Docs. He had success that way. And, uh, you know, we're both we're both pretty much available, uh, you know, to to help vend- wannabe vendors. If, you, if you're wondering how to do that, shoot me a message. I'm, I can put right, there's my Instagram, there's my Twitter, there's an email address for me. You can reach out to me if you have any questions. I can kind of give you the Coles notes or the, what's it called, the Cliff Notes in the U.S., as to yep. how, <laughs> right? It's Cole's notes in Canada. It's Cliff notes in, in the states. I can give you the notes on on how to how to uh, you know really maximize the the time that you're spending at the virtual as a vendor and how to I think maybe maximize your your um, customers' enjoyment and ease of sorting through what you have. I got I just got a lot of good feedback on what I did, and I'm I'm happy to share that strategy. I want to also mention I'm going to put up um, I'm going to put up right here. So this is. 
This is where you guys can go to learn or to watch some videos about how the platform works. On the, If you just go to YouTube and you search M-K-E-M, you will see a channel, a YouTube channel called M-K-E-M. And that's where you will find the videos that these guys are recording from these training sessions and putting on there. And I just looked at it a few minutes ago. I think there's one video on there right now. You can see Mikey's face on it, on the on the YouTube thumbnail. And I think Steve's face as well. So go check that out. And I'm sure as you guys hold more of these uh, seminars, you will be putting more of those videos on that channel. Is that right, Mikey? We will. And, and, and even from previous uh, training sessions from the last time we did it and other shows, uh, there's other ideas in there. So people can go to that um, my YouTube channel. There's a ton of different resources in there if they want to look through. Uh, and we will definitely be adding to it. And it's funny you, you brought up you and Amit and how successful you were at the event. I pull up a picture of Amit at 99 goals talking to the attendees and saying, this is how you utilize this platform effectively. Use it like you would your booth. Talk to the people. Be live. Don't show a screen and hide off the screen. You know, you want to be successful. Engage with people and they will engage back with you. You, you know, I'm going to say to that, Mikey, because you're so right in terms of if you think about going to a, I'm just going to take that off the screen right now, but it's M-K-E-M, everybody. That's the YouTube channel. Go check it out. It's just like going to a card show. If you're at a, if you're at a card show, whether it's the Chicago Spectacular or the Sport Card Expo, and you walk to up to a booth, and the vendor is sitting there in his chair or in her chair, looking at their phone, maybe reading the newspaper, maybe eating their lunch, and they they know you're there. They can They can see you in their peripherals. They know you're there, but they don't even look up and acknowledge you. And it happens, let's face it, it happens all the time. They don't even acknowledge that someone's there looking at their at, at their merchandise. I mean, that's just bad business. No wonder, no wonder they're they're no wonder they just don't look happy, right? But if you're someone at a card show and you do it the way I do it or a meet does it, where we're sitting at our we're at our booth, someone comes up, I engage in discussion with them right away. Just start talking. Small dog, how are you doing? A couple walks up. I say to the guy, she dragged you to the card show again. You know, that kind of thing. You just get people laughing, get them having fun. That's And that's what I did at the virtual expo. As soon as I saw eyeballs on the room, I spoke to them. Even though I didn't know who they were, I couldn't see them. I said, hey, I, anyone who just came in, great to have you. Welcome to the expo. And here's where you can go find my cards. I hope you're having a good time. Come on screen if you want. Mikey, jump in. I was just going to say, Jeremy, what's awesome now is as people enter your booth, you'll actually be able to see who it is. So if it's, so that's the big thing. You'll even be able to uh, see who's in there with you during the whole time in the sessions. That's some of the improvements that have been added there. And then finally, it's not just for like new young millennials or Gen Z's such as yourself. It's for some of the older gentlemen. Uh, Neil Bernstein is a perfect example. Uh, he's been in this business for 40 years. It's at Hotel Collectibles. And he thrived on the platform and we walked him through it. He was uncomfortable at first, but uh, he now has a new second, third wife with Esther who has helped him with the platform, know it, be comfortable with it. And whether it's setting up Google Docs for, for me or for Neil Bernstein, we're there to make sure the ex experience is seamless. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, anything you want to jump in with just in terms of this sort of discussion as it may apply to your vendors at the Chicago Spectacular, if any of them are watching right now, 
anything you kind of want to maybe any message you want to send? I mean, we're sending all sorts of messages, but I yeah, want to yeah, no, uh, just the same thing. Reiterate, um, like I said, my wife Rhonda and uh, Sue, the person who works with all the vendors, know have been reaching out not only through the constant contacts and the emails and the social medias, but directly making phone calls and again, you know, just getting people over that hump to try it. You know, especially to come on the demos, certainly doesn't cost anything to come and watch a demo and see how the platform works. And then just knowing from all we've talked about that can't stress enough that the virtual is going to become a piece of this industry moving forward. So if you're not involved in the virtual, you're going to be missing out on a piece of the industry and nobody wants to be missed out on any of that. Yeah, you're following. You're falling further and further behind if you're right. not uh, if you're not going to jump on now. I felt like a lot of my fellow expo vendors that did not take part the first time. I kind of shook my head. I thought, you know, and the the reasons I heard were, ah, let's see how it let's see how it goes, or right. oh, I I don't want to do that. I want a real show. I'll wait for the November show. That's right. I'm thinking to myself, you're missing an opportunity to to conquer that learning curve before most people mm-hmm. get in there. And 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 yeah. trailblaze, like let's be trailblazers here. That's 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 what's wonderful if you can do it, Steve. You, you got something to say? Yeah, yeah. And uh, ironically, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, this is a real analog industry still or hobby. Um, but some of those same people are saying, "Yeah, virtual is not for me," and yet it's as engaging as you can literally be without being there. But these same people will be still starting to embrace services like Comsi or uh, you know, like a, a sports card investor uh, market market movers and, and those kinds of things. So um, I, there is some catching up to do, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's an important uh, important part is just to get in there. Part of the research that I was doing for my November show was, can I do a hybrid event? You know, I, I agree with Mitch completely that virtual will be a component of it going forward as well as well the app and so on. But um, you know, imagine, and it's hard for a single uh, person like yourself, but imagine somebody bigger, like a, a bricks and mortar, who could have a, a camera set up in their booth, and somebody you know calls in, and, and they're they're from whatever, uh, uh, whether it be somewhere geographically out of the way, Europe, uh, Asia, whatever. They can be looking at their collection or show, hey, I'm looking for this. Do you have any? Um, yeah, any design prisms. So that that that's all part of what uh, it can and, and will evolve into. Or it could be the Q and A's, you know, pushing those out. We were supposed to have had uh, Yarmir Yager, as you know, at the, at the May show. Uh, we could have uh, people watching his Q and A and so on from around the world and, and doing then you know, one-on-one. So, yeah. and that, I think it's I think it's really cool that you can now push out main stage and stream it live onto like a YouTube yeah. or something like that. That's a, that's a wonderful, perfect example. But the beautiful thing about that, to me, uh, Steve, is that if you do that, you can now you know, that's going to attract people that aren't even aware that the virtual is going on and you yeah. use that to bring them to the virtual. Say, hey, you're watching this. You're missing a card show right now, right. boys and girls, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, a great opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, okay, okay. I want I want to bring on a couple comments here. Uh, Rich says, another pro of the virtual show is that you can be doing other stuff simultaneously. I was wheeling, wheeling <laughs> up till my own wedding. It's so funny because Rich, Rich bought a card from me and then I think like a few minutes later, he sends me a picture of him like just just getting married on, on the day of the show. I'm like, dude, 
dude, what are you doing at the card show? You're literally in the limo on the way to your own wedding right now, and he's buying cards. I mean, I love it. I, I love the uh, the loyalty to the hobby and the passion. That was great. And Amit jumps in and says he's also more than happy to help help anyone with questions. So Amit and I again. We're not affiliated with these guys. We're just vendors of the show, long-term expo vendors and vendors of the virtual who had success and are willing to share some of our, what we think are best practices in terms of running your booth at the show. And also in terms of navigating the show, we both had some luck with that. And myself doing the, being a, an attendee at the Beckett Industry Summit this past week, got to use the platform yet again. Uh, Peter says, as a customer at the virtual expo as well, please have items that I can browse through while you are talking to other customers. Think of it as your virtual display case. And that goes back to what I said about me having a link in my booth, which anybody could click on and go see my cards in another browser uh, in my Dropbox. It would just open up a web browser and you could be browsing cards on one screen and listening and watching us talk or even talking with us, being on screen and talking with us on the screen. This is not just a card show. It's or a sports card memorabilia show. It's also, if you are a social person and you want to grow your hobby network and be a part of the community, it's a social event too. That's how I look at it. And I, I can't wait for it for that, for that point. Peter goes on to say, prices are a must as a starting discussion point. You know, I'm a big fan of having my cards priced. A lot of people don't price their cards. And, I, and if you're a dealer who doesn't put prices on the front of your cards, I'm not saying the back. Some people put them on the back, put them on the front. You will sell way more cards as a dealer if you put your prices on the front of your cards. I know so many card show attendees that will just not even talk to you if your cards don't have prices. So really important stuff there. Just a tip, just a tip. Okay, any of you, I'm gonna scan a few more comments. Anyone have anything to, anything else they wanna say right now? Uh, I, I just think there's a there's a good comment coming up about eBay uh, and about replacing it as the if there's anyone who's going to replace it as the top way of purchasing. So and it's, so so Mikey's ahead of me in the comments. <laughs> Mikey, you can be a co-host another time. So let me bring it up because I do see the comment here. Let's bring it up. I'll read it and you can speak to it. No, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. I'm sorry, and I'm writing to a meet in the comment section too. So right, I'm, I'm right. used to dual screening. This is easy for me. So. Um, cardboard nostalgia talks about or, or has the question is anyone going to replace eBay as the top uh, place to purchase the cards on, on the internet? And the reason they are the top isn't because of you vendors or you card sellers, it's because of us buyers. So, me as a consumer coming into the hobby again, where's the first place I'm going to go because I know they sell it is eBay. So, there's a lot of auctions, a lot of action going on there. They've improved it. Now I can make offers. So I'm making deals back and forth. It's not just an auction site anymore. So uh, you can still set up a Shopify store. Everyone can still like, I just made a purchase off of cardboard collectibles off of their own website powered by them. Um, you can do other ways to do it. But I think until someone has, you know, an Amazon or someone like that with that kind of power and reach for the consumers, no. I don't see a collectible exchange replacing them. I don't see a ComC replacing them. I mean, it's just too powerful, too large at this point for something to, to come in and knock it out of the water. Yeah, I'm with you. eBay is a, is a powerhouse in the hobby, and they're they're involved in, in this show. They're involved at the Beckett Summit. We were all just that. I mean, 
they're a powerhouse, no doubt about it. And, uh, and, you know, they may be rigid, but, you know, they do have, I, th- I believe, new people involved on the trading cards category. And um, I, I managed to meet a bunch of them at the summit. Mikey, you, you nod as if you did as well. So, you know, they're, they're trying, I think they're just trying to be more in touch with the hobby than they were before. And they're really taking trading cards seriously. But there are problems, especially in transparency and in return policies, especially with what's going on in the hobby right now. And this this Facebook user says, you know, it's harder to price your cards nowadays because prices are changing so fast. That's a great point because it's true. Prices are changing like day to day on some cards sometimes. And it is hard to stay stay on top of it. Like, you know, I know Amit is pricing his cards right now for next month. He might have to change some of them between now and then up or down. So it, it's a great point. Well taken. And, um, and and although I still am a big fan of having my cards priced and I will, I, I, I plan to, um, I think it's, it just, it's, it just adds more work and it forces us as dealers to price our cards in a more timely fashion, maybe closer to the show itself instead of two or three months ahead or even four weeks ahead. But Chris makes a good point here. Don't make people buy and sell your cards. It's true. I don't want to go up to a booth and someone says to me, well, make me an offer. No, no, it's your card. Price your card. I'll counter you if I don't like it. And if you don't like my counter, I don't like your price. No deal. It's a stalemate. We both walk away. No big deal. We can still be friends. So great point there by that uh, by, by this Facebook user who I'm sure I know you, but I'm not sure who you are right now. Um, okay, so a couple more comments here. Barry from ComC is with us. Barry, welcome. <laughs> How many people can you have share screens in a booth? ComC is looking at adding much more interactive games at the next show. Ah, so so great question. Everyone on there can share a screen. So you can have up to inside the booth itself, you can have up to 10 screens on on at one time. So if you have four people on and four people sharing screens, no problem, up to five. So you could have five people sharing screens, no problem within a booth. Uh, inside a session room, you could have up to 20 screens being shared. So 10 people each having a shared screen. So if you wanted to do bingo, or I don't know what kind of crazy stuff you're playing. The wheel. They spin the wheel. Yeah, and and, and it's funny uh, that you just mentioned spin the wheel, Jeremy. So one of our best vendors, uh, or, or who who really captured the most attention, was Frameworth, and they did so by having a spinning wheel. That's why I have hockey pucks, even though I don't even care about hockey. Uh, it's because it was fun and and awesome, and they had an auction going on, a live auction. Tons of interactions. They had 800 people visit the booth and spend like 17,000 minutes in it. Yeah. So it's crazy. Go ahead. I mean, I just want to say to anybody out there, you know, who's thinking about joining, and it's, sorry, it's a different topic, but anyone who's, you know, I just want to really make it clear how much fun this thing was last time. Like, I literally <laughs> felt I was at a card show. I didn't just feel like I was on a screen trying to hawk my cards. I actually felt like I was at a card show. And I'm saying this because, you know, my buddy Darcy, Darcy, welcome to the show. I know I thought it was you that made that comment. And someone like Darcy, who lives in BC, you know, has, you know, can't come to the expo, can't fly from uh, from BC out to Toronto every show. For someone like that, this is a great opportunity to be part of the expo the, in its virtual format, have a booth. And it's, it's fun. Like it, it's just fun. I think it's great. Darcy goes on to say about pricing high end fluctuates hard. It certainly does. Certainly does. Especially right now. 
So, okay, I want to just say one more thing before I turn it over to you guys. Um, I want to thank every. I want to thank Mitch and Steve uh, for again promoting that you were going to be on Sports Cards Live tonight, even though we're here promoting your show, which I'm happy to do. But thanks for bringing more viewers to my show. If you're new, if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel Sports Cards Live, please do so. Hit the thumbs up button that you like the the show tonight. Hopefully, you guys are getting some value out of this, and you're you're becoming a bit more comfortable with the, with the idea of doing a virtual show if you haven't done one yet and if you want to do one. Um, so please like please like the video. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. That helps me out. I greatly appreciate it. Guys, we can kind of go to some parting words. We're just about at the two-hour mark, so we can cut it off in a few minutes. Uh, Steve, you want to anything else to add before we call it a night or before we end this episode? And just so everybody, sorry, Steve, one second before, before I turn it over. <laughs> I will be back for the After Hours episode, which is another show on the same YouTube channel in 35 minutes. And Amit will be co-hosting with me. So we're going to be talking some more about the virtual and how excited we are for it, among other hobby topics. Please subscribe. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Steve? Yeah, I'm going to give Amit a call just to wake him up so he is ready for that. But uh, yeah, uh, no, listen, I very much enjoy the show all the time. Uh, it's actually part of how I'm, I'm educating myself in the hobby is by, by watching this. I mean, I knew about your 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 opinion on the Gretzky rookie cards and everything from previous shows. So um, I, I'm enjoying this. I, I welcome the opportunity to talk about the show. Um, yeah, for, for a lot of dealers that are interested, it costs nothing to go and check out a demo. And I really appreciate all the other dealer feedback that you're providing and that others have weighed in on with comments. So oh, it's great. And that's the great thing about a community when the, um, you do well by the community, they do well by you, and thank you for everyone. So go to the website, guys, sportcardexpo.com, and from there you can, um, there must be a contact us if you do want to contact Steve and request a, a, a link to the demo, to one of their upcoming demos, demos and the schedule for the demos. Yeah. Mikey does run these things. I've, I've sat, I sat in on all of them last time because I wanted to make sure I was ready. So I sat in on like four of them. They were all the same but I wanted to really hammer it into my head how this thing was going to work. So that's what I did. I recommend you do it too. And it paid dividends. It paid dividend, like actual, I think I made more money because of it. So I recommend you guys doing that too. Mitch, any uh, parting comments? Well, thanks Jeremy for having us. It was great. It's my first time with you. Awesome show. Love to be back on in the future. Um, like I said, I just want to talk to my dealers and say, everybody's been contacted numerous times, but if you're looking for anything, Go to our website, chicagosportspectacular.com. Everything is there for the virtual expo, all the demo registrations, all the demo dates like we talked about earlier, and give it a try. Like we said, don't miss out because I've said it numerous times, the virtual and the lives are going to come together, and it's going to be a thing of the future one way or another. So appreciate you having us on and giving us the time. Uh, look forward to uh, doing it again. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And I agree. This is it is the future. The future is virtual. It's just going on now. And whether, you know, the pandemic is what triggered it, it's not going to I don't think it's going to go away. So right. if you want to stay ahead of the learning curve, now is a great time to get involved. And it's it's just a lot of fun as well. I, I have to I have to uh, make the point. Mikey, any final comments from you before I go through the parting uh, comments from the crowd? Yeah, uh, if you haven't learned virtual, you might as well get used to it because we're probably going to be doing it for the next couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Cut me off, but it's great. Honestly, it's it's super fun. I've never been on a on a, a live YouTube stream, so this was a real treat for me. It was really cool to 
to actually just be a guest and not have to worry if anyone's audio or video is working uh, and, and just enjoy myself by having fun in the chat as well. So uh, awesome show. I, I've been a fan. I've watched it. I think I've been a subscriber now for six or seven months on YouTube. I uh, appreciate that, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, guys, it's been great having you on the show. I'm going to run through the parting comments from the uh, from our crowd and then we're going to end this. And again, I'll be back on in half an hour with the meet for the after hours episode. You can find it on the same YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. Again, please subscribe. Please like this video. That seems to help. And uh, just to go through the parting comments now, uh, Darcy says, I think it's a great idea for you guys to do a big show in the West as well. Legion, thank you for joining as always. Colin says, I sold a card to someone in Dawson City from, from Gold Rush Show. Terry, thanks. Thank you, Terry, for joining. Always a great viewer. Absolute Mike, thanks so much for joining. Al, great to have an opportunity to witness this conversation. Al, always happy to have you with us. Paul, thank you so much. Billy, we're gonna we're just not gonna get your question tonight, but uh, thanks for your involvement tonight. It's been great. Everybody watching, thank you so much to my guests tonight, guys. Thank you for for what you're doing. Thanks for putting on the virtual. Mike, again. The virtual show, you have support. Don't be intimidated by this thing. Get in touch with these guys. Request a demo, uh, an invi- or the link to the demo. Attend the demo. It's free. It'll help set your mind at ease and make this whole thing a little bit less intimidating and uh, hopefully less stressful. And we'll see all of you guys at the virtual November 21 and 22. Websites are in the bottom of the screen right now. Check them out. Duncachino, good night to you. Amish Dave, thank you for joining. Tiger Jordan, great to have you as well. All right, that's it. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on After Hours in half an hour. Good night. You guys, have a great night. You yeah, guys stay there for one sec. All right. Uh, did it not end? It's, end? it's ending. It's trying to... Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.